from December to December. Before you drift to sleep upon your cot, think back on all the tales that you remember of Camelot. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Hey, What You Watching, the weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. This is episode 50, Podcast of the Worlds, and I'm your host, Matt Curione, and with me as usual is... Hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? Looks like we made it. Looks like we made it. The final episode of Hey, What You Watching. What? What? No, no, yeah, that's, please. That's what we're doing, right? We, <laughs> we've been oh, building so to this point. Now. <laughs> This Instant is sad boy. The finale. This is, this is where we do one of those clip shows, right? We go, right? <laughs> like, uh, like, like, let's go the, to the tape. Yeah, like the first hour of Seinfeld uh, before the finale, right? That's, that's <laughs> what they did. Uh, no, this is this is fifty. Uh, we made it. Uh, it's been a year and some change, uh, but we did it. And yeah, we we actually achieved something. Yes, fifty episodes is, is a lot, and here's that's to, a lot. Here's to fifty more, at least. Yes, right. At least. I and mean, then, I did promise uh, the big uh, party at episode two fifty. So, yeah. you said two fifty. I thought you said one hundred. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. I think we can end it at one hundred, though. One hundred is a nice, good. Note How about no to end? <laughs> How about we just run what? this into the ground until we're dead? Well... Or, or until Doomsday? That's fine. Okay, how about so this? So, ne- next August? If... <laughs> sooner than than anticipated. Uh, what, um, wh- what would happen if one of us died, Matt? Would you continue the show if I died, Matt? There would be a mourning period. <laughs> how, how long would you wait until you found a replacement? <laughs> Months. Months? Oh, okay. I, 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 Maybe. I, I'll give you, uh, here on record, the, the permission to... Uh, I'll give you my permission to, to find a guest within, like, a month. So, after a month, okay. you're free to go. You're, you're free I, to go. I, I promise to remarry. <laughs> you're, you're rebooted in a month. And as okay. for me... Uh, no, I don't. I, I don't think I'll, I'll continue the hate cast if you died, Matt. So that's Jesus Christ! <laughs> I just failed that. that, that yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, you uh, did. Test, didn't yeah, I? God damn it! And the, you know, the only reason why I wouldn't, you know, uh, continue this is because Matt, I have like five other podcasts, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I have literally like a hundred episodes combined. Plus, I mean, if you if you tried to find another. Uh, Another co-host, you'd have to ask them, "Hey, are you good with getting guests?" No, no. The first thing I ask them is, "Are you good with pun titles?" And <laughs> if they say no, then then no deal. So oh, it's off the table. That's the no number one request. That's a that's a big old whammy. No, yeah, no. that's that's whammy. Okay, so congrats, Matt, on fifty episodes of this show. No, no, no! Congratulations to you. No, congratulations and thank you. you. Thank you so no. much, Marcel. This thank is uh, this is freaking awesome. We actually uh, did this. Yeah. This is now my second podcast to hit 50 episodes. Oh, boy. So, so it's it's something else. Um, I, uh, here, I'll make two semi-announcements. Uh, I, I'm still doing the Talk From Society podcast, the original, right? Uh, Prime. Talk Prime, Prime yes. Yeah, Talk Prime. I hope to bring that back soon. And I'm definitely ending that at 100 episodes. That's what? for sure. 100 episodes, episodes of that. How many episodes well, are you at right, right now? now? I'm like at... I think I'm approaching 60. So I... There's, oh, there, keep there, going. There's at least 100. There, not 100, sorry. There's at least a year left of that podcast. But at 100, I'm done. That's it. That's it. Uh, I'll get you to keep going. No. 
Because, okay, Matt, I have, you know, Die Hard for National Film Registry podcast. I have the Hamilton podcast. Well, the I, Die Hard one you only do once a year. Well, okay, that's an... I guess I hear... Okay, episode 50 of this podcast will be me making several announcements, apparently. So, the Die Hard podcast, <laughs> I'm bringing back as hopefully a, a bi-weekly show for the new year, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm expanding that campaign through... Because, like, last year I only did it through the summer and then into, like, the fall. But, you know, 2017, you're going to be hearing more about Die Hard and the National Film Registry. So, that's, that's big, Okay. Uh, as one horrible man would would put it, it's huge. Um, so I'm doing huge. That. I'm doing that. Uh, what was the other announcement? Um, oh, I mean the 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 other podcasts. I'm, I'll do them occasionally. So, uh, but this one, this is the one I've maintained the longest, like the most consistent one, Matt. So mm-hmm. that's an achievement. That's my fault. <laughs> we we tr- we try our hardest, and we've done. You know, uh, I think we've done pretty well at keeping up this weekly thing. So. Yeah, I mean, we're actually achieving things. It yeah. gives me, like, it, g- it brings me joy. Yeah. And here's what I wanted to bring up to you as a surprise, but I didn't actually finish it, Matt. I've been pretty busy. It's it's okay. On the horizon, expect a clip show. Uh <gasps> I've been I've been in touch with uh, listeners to the show, asking their opinions on what they want in the clip show, and yeah, uh, th- through like the holiday, I'll I'll build something, and you and me, Matt, can have a special Haycast clip show where we have the best, oh, that's awesome, the best of the the best of this show. So cool. I've been meaning I've been meaning to do that with my other podcasts, um, but this one I think. Uh, it's it's definitely one that because I mean okay Matt uh, for, can can we can we steal the title of that uh, Larry Sanders collection that came out a few years ago? Uh, what, what and was just, that one called? And just that one was called not just the best of the Larry Sanders show. <laughs> can we just call it not just the best of the Haycast? Not just the best of the Haycast. Sure. Okay. <laughs> awesome. What what are some of your fond memories, Matt? Now now that we've reached fifty episodes. Matt's happy thoughts. Matt's happy thoughts. That's actually oh boy. <laughs> that's actually the number one thing one listener, uh, Jesse, <laughs> suggested. Uh, he, Fantastic. He basically just said, "Yeah, just Matt's happy thoughts. Just that." Yeah. So, just put that on a loop for an hour. <laughs> for the <laughs> clip fun. show, yeah. For the clip show, I think we'll just break down that. We'll we'll have a commentary. That was, that, that was fun. Um, another favorite of mine is when uh, you we went back and forth saying "me and you" for like a, a solid minute. What? Well, I don't you, remember that. Where you were, where I, you, I was like you, and you're like me, you, me. <laughs> what? I don't know what episode that is. Neither uh, do I, but I, I vividly remember that. Now I have to fun. look that up. Okay. And then there's the part, the one, the one clip where you called. Uh, you said I live with a cartoon dog. Oh yeah, yeah. That was like three episodes ago. That's easy. To there's find. breakfast, breakfast tacos. That was that's two episodes fun. ago. Matt, that's you have fine. To... <laughs> These are all, this is all good material. Do you, remember, do you remember anything like forty episodes ago, like early on in, in the run? I, I remember like the first thing we talked about on like a dispatch. This I, is, I, it's like okay, pre, yeah, what? It's like pre Haycast when we first oh, did God. our dispatches. We oh, talked, I remember those. We talked bring about those back. yeah, we talked about. Well, I mean, this is essentially a dispatch. The, the dispatches. Turned into the hate casts. I mean, you can't really make it. Dis- you can't make a dispatch of this show, like because this. No, is- because now we have a uh, website where we, we we call dispatches articles now. <laughs> but also, <laughs> that's this, the thing we do. This show is essentially, I don't want to say nonsense, but this is just like a dispatch <laughs> of its own. It's it's just, I, I I always compare this podcast to like the first ten minutes 
of a normal movie podcast where they talk about what they've seen in the last week. We've expanded that to two hours. This is an entire show. So Why we're not going to go that long tonight. Jesus. <laughs> what could we possibly make a dispatch of of this show, Matt? It's like what some some people have work in the morning, Marcelo. <laughs> I don't know about you. We I have to see I have to see the movie uh, L uh, tomorrow at nine a.m. So I have to be up early. We have priorities. So okay. Anyway. Well, I, 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 let's let's get to the to to the show. Okay, I think we've done enough talking. Oh, and about another it. another favorite moment of mine is when uh, my mother received an inflatable sex doll in the mail. <laughs> Amazon.com. That's the, we can save this story for episode one hundred <laughs> when we do our clip okay. show. Again. We'll, you know, before okay, th- we're still in like the the the, the jabbering section of the show. Matt, tell us what happened we're... with your mother and Amazon. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, she had ordered uh, a gift off of Amazon um, for Carlo for Christmas, and she gets a package in the mail today. She's like, "Oh, this feels like this. This package could be that." She opens it up, uh, and her name is Brianna, and she's an inflatable sex doll. <laughs> and yeah, we couldn't stop laughing. That that was a good time. This is real life, Marcelo. This this is a thing that happened. Uh, During I saw, my day. You sent a picture of it uh, to <laughs> a few people, and I saw it. And yeah, yeah the uh, the uh, the front of this packaging <laughs> had the face had the face of the doll, and I believe the lettering of it said, "Look me in the eyes while you <laughs> f me." So yeah, that's that's pleasant. I'm, I'm dying. Yeah. I'm dying. Yeah. That's that's some good copy, though. Yeah. I mean, come on, that that really grabs the attention of the, the consumer. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that happened. Uh, we're still working it out with Amazon. Good I'm for us. Gonna earmar- I'm going to earmark this for episode 100 when we do a clip show then. <laughs> this is classic Haycast. Okay. That was... Uh, uh, joke life. That was uh, some, some, some well-to-do pleasantries. Okay. <laughs> now, for episode 50, we were teasing this for, I think, a few weeks now. Uh, like, who could, we, who, who could we possibly get... As a guest for episode fifty, Matt, who is it? Uh, well, we could have easily gotten uh, uh, someone lesser, but we got one of my favorite humans on Earth, uh, Doctor West Anthony. Welcome back. How are you? Sorry, everyone. This is the best I could do. <laughs> oh, West. I'm doing very well, gentlemen. How are you? How are you, Matt? How are you, Marcelo? Sorry about uh, Die Hard. We'll try again next year. Oh, I, I mean, we'll talk about it more. A little later, actually, as I see on the schedule, a lot later. But yeah, um, it's uh, we can talk about it then. You know, when we get really get get into it. But yeah, um, it's always a blow each year. I've been doing this now for four years, going to my fifth year of this campaign, getting trying to get Die Hard into the National Film Industry, and it has not happened. And better luck next year. Um, I'm gonna try once again. So fifth years, yeah. a t- fifth, fifth times a charm, as fifth they times say. A t- <laughs> As many years as as there are Die Hard sequels, so yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway, um, but hey, I'm getting, I'm getting flashbacks from that. Thanks, Thanks for <laughs> reminding me that that movie exists. It, it You're exists. cool. But thank you, West, for coming on. I mean, uh, Matt, you you were doing the research earlier. Like, when was the last time we had West on? Uh, the last time uh, West was on was episode twenty two. Oh wow! And. And this episode fifty marks your fit, uh, your fourth appearance on the show, and uh, I'm so glad you're back. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's great for me to be back. I enjoy uh, being on the show, and I enjoy talking to all of you guys. Well, thank you, West. I mean, yeah, when Matt announced that you were the guest, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, not to jump ahead, but 
I mean, Matt, when I die, I mean, there you go. We, I mean, West already, <laughs> West already filled my place in that one episode where I was sick. I think the one, I this. the one, I think podcasts that I've edited and produced that that I've that I was not in, which is insane to <laughs> me. So that that's a special episode. So if <laughs> I remember that, and it says it on the spreadsheet, it says uh, no Marcelo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which 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 episode was that? I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, but I remember the first time West was on, and then the next week you were sick, and I was like, "Hey, um, you want to be on again?" Back to back Wests, um, classic Haycast. Okay, so why don't we? Okay, how about this? I don't remember this, Matt. Like, was West here when you had your segments where we where you get to know the guest? I don't think. I, uh, I think he was on for Get to Know You. Okay, but I don't. I don't think we had the Riddle Corner yet. Oh, I almost I almost forgot the Riddle Corner. I just messed up this episode, Matt. We were supposed to do the No, it's the, fine. We were supposed to do Put the your riddle, head down power throw. Uh, we were supposed to do the Riddle Corner before the guest comes in. I'm sorry, That's Wes. Fine. This is the it's most episode 50. It's special. I I am tired. Okay, I've been working all day. I just came back from holiday shopping. It my life is a disaster right now. So <laughs> this is a perfect this is like prime me. Okay. Th- this is what you're getting, folks. This is raw. So episode 50, Matt. For our 50th episode, let's go to your Riddle Corner. What are we going to be discussing on the show this week? Welcome back to Matt's Riddle Corner, where I give cryptic clues about what films we're going to be watching, uh, talking about this week. Yeah, almost messed that up. Okay, well, we're going to start out in Camelot, and then we're going to go down into the Hudson River, and then we're going to say that something really bad never happened, and then we're going to read a bunch of spooky stories, and then when the calls will be coming from inside the house, and then a silver ball is going to chase us through a funeral home, and then we're going to be caught in a murder house for about, oh, 12 hours, and then the oil is going to explode everywhere and then will smith and his cronies are going to be really mean and trick everyone and then um we are going to eat someone in a very funny comedy and then we're going to get some rabies and then we're going to break into some place then we're going to talk about the berg and then we are going to talk about one of the best uh, um, christmas action films ever ever of all time there is no doubt about that okay it's a christmas movie it's it, they're they're good movies, Brent. <laughs> and now let's reintroduce our guest, West Anthony. Hello, West. <laughs> Hello again. Still here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's get to know our guest, Matt. I think we've done this on a previous episode. Well, let's get to know him even further. Okay, do you have a question for him? Because I wasn't gonna, I wasn't I honestly wasn't gonna do the segment. Start tonight. start just start, start up the riddle corner and I and I'll and sorry, start up the uh, getting to know you segment and now I'll ask a question. How about that? Okay. Welcome back to our another little segment called Get to Know Ya, where we find out if our guest is a real human being and not a robot sent from the future to destroy us all. It's our own little void cop test. There you go. Okay. West. Okay. You've done this before, and, and and Matt has asked you those, you know, those like get get to know you questions. Where hey, you know, yeah, you know, first movie in a theater, stuff like that. Right. That, that's sure. Right. Well, yeah. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, Who is your favorite uh, non-living film director? Favorite non-living would be Stanley Kubrick. Stanley He's my favorite overall. Oh, nice. Just, he also happens to be not living, so there, there you go. <laughs> now, who would be your living, your favorite living director? Uh, that would probably be Martin Scorsese. All right. Uh, how excited are you for Silence? I'm <laughs> excited about it. 
Same. I, uh, I, I think it's. I, I've been hearing nothing but great things about it. Although I've been trying to limit my my exposure to the uh, the press about it. But uh, yeah, as soon as it's uh, in my neighborhood, I'm I'm definitely going to go and see it. Yeah, which unfortunately for for me, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I'm going to see it until January. Uh, I just saw some uh, some people in New York getting out of it, you know, out of out of their fancy seven o- seven o'clock Thursday shows with a show in New oh. York. Uh, screw them! But uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Oh, they're no, doing t- exclusive engagements for that one right now. I think this weekend it's New York and L.A. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm definitely gonna go out there and find. It. It's got to be around here somewhere. I have, I've basically, I haven't missed a Scorsese film in a theater since uh, 1985. Oh, oh wow. wow, 1985. That's a long time. Uh, when? Oh, I'm trying to think because I'm bad at dates. Uh, did you? Uh, what about After Hours? Did you see that in a theater? That was the first one. That was the first yeah, I was one, just gonna yeah. say that it must have been After Hours. Yeah, yeah. 1985. God, I am. Supremely so, yeah. jealous about that. Yeah, that's uh, for me. Uh, After Hours is like one of uh, there are a few highly underrated Scorsese's. I think that's one of the top for me. Uh, I would love to see that in a theater. I hope. I hope one day I get to see that in a theater. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a really great uh, film. It's kind of overlooked, but uh, it it hasn't gotten its due. It's definitely one that I'll be talking about uh, in an episode of my show uh, at some point in the future. Because all all of Scorsese's films have a lot of great music in them, and that one in particular is one that I'm I'm very fond of. So, and then I, I have also seen some of his earlier films, but not when they came out originally. But the, I have been able to see them on the big screen, like Raging Bull and and Taxi Driver. Oh yeah! Oh, that's awesome! That's yeah. awesome! I, I did see Raging Bull in a theater. I don't think I've seen Taxi Driver in a theater, which is unfortunate. Uh, uh, yeah. Marcelo, let's spin that question back on you. Who is your favorite non-living uh, director? Non-living, I think this. I think I'll I'll steal West's answer and say uh, Kubrick. Oh, we're all gonna say Kubrick, aren't we? Okay, Kubrick. cool. We're, we're so <laughs> boring. Know. We're so boring. Ah, uh, uh, great minds think alike, but, my friend. But, but my favorite living director is 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 different. I know the answer. I know the answer. Guess, Matt. Um. Is it David Fincher? It is David Fincher. <laughs> there you go. I think I've said it a few times on the show. Yes, it's yeah. David Fincher. Um, um, yeah. How about your favorite? Okay. Uh, as for me, my favorite non-living is Stanley Kubrick with a quick runner-up of uh, Robert Altman. Okay, yeah. It's fair. Uh, you, and, uh, well, you know my favorite living director. Uh, let me guess. Let's see. Um, hmm... Uh, it's a close. It's a close tie these days. Hmm, let me see. Uh, Ridley? No, no. You have to tell me who is it, Matt. It's it's Ridley Scott. Of course, Ridley, it's Ridley F- Scott. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it is. Come on now. It's either him or Michael Mann. I can never go back and forth. I always go back and forth. But for the majority of this show, uh, for as long as I've known you, Matt, I think it's always been Ridley Scott. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 I love a good cigar. Anyway, um, uh, do you have another? uh, Oh, actually, no. This goes. This is a good question for West. Um, What is uh, one of the? What is one of your favorite film scores from 2016? From 2016. Oh my gosh. That's 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 actually a good question. I haven't seen too terribly many films uh, 
from 2016. I've really been sort of more going back into uh, to older films. I really mm-hmm. this is a very weird year for me that I I really did not get out to the theater this year uh, as much as in previous years. I was only out there like a, a few times. It was kind okay. of weird. but um, and let's see. No, that, that I was going to say that the light between oceans was last year, wasn't it? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that's one that I, I just uh, checked out recently. It's Alex Baseblood was uh, increasingly one of my favorite composers. He also did a pretty good job on the Secret Life of Pets earlier this year, which I was I was kind of su- pleasantly surprised by. Oh wow! Uh, the Light Between Oceans was uh, this year. Oh, it was okay. Well, then I can go with there that. There you go. One. <laughs> it was that was great. There you go. Uh, hey, what about you, Matt? Um, for me, it's a toss-up. It's either uh, the score that Nick Cave and Warren Ellis did for Hell or High Water, which I thought was really good, or um, I haven't seen the film yet, but uh, Michael Levi's uh, score for Jackie is uh, beautiful and uh, something that I had on repeat for about a week and a half after it uh, came up on Apple Music. I'm very curious to see that movie. I, I have a practice of not listening to film scores until after I've seen the movie for them. So I haven't heard that one yet. But, yeah, I'm an awful person, West. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say oh, that's, you know, whatever you want. That's, that's fine. That's not, that's not a crime. I mean, you know, big deal. But I mean, uh, yet. not uh, a crime yet. Her score for Under the, the Skin I thought was extraordinary. Oh my God! Yes, and so I'm I'm very curious to uh, to see what she does with uh, with a movie like like Jackie, which I, I as far as I can tell is going to be a very different experience. Mm. So, and, and I'm wondering if the the kind of music that she is going to do for for this film will be any different from what she did before. It's far different. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it yeah, seems it's, it's really something. It's really something special. This score, I I love it. Yeah, it's. Well, yeah. yeah, I'll talk about it in a sec. Uh, but yeah, my favorite of this year, I think, right now is uh, Jackie's. Uh, Micah, is it Micah Le- Levi? Micah Levi? I believe so, yes. Um, Mika. Oh, it's Mika? It's Mika? Mika? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Runner up would be, I think, La La Land, possibly. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into Jackie in a bit. Actually, uh, Matt, do you have another question? I do not. I think we've gotten to know West, right? Numerous times. Numerous times. <laughs> we've got, we got to know him plenty. Uh, let, yeah, let's just dive into it. This is the meat of the show. Hey, the sandwich bits. Sandwich of the bits. Uh, we were just talking about it. Jackie, uh, I saw this uh, two nights ago. It opened up here in Austin, and I saw Ellis. it. I saw it uh, where, Matt? The Alamo Draft House, where <laughs> dreams are made. I think that's like the fiftieth time you may have said that. It's, a, uh, it's like it's one of my. We call those catchphrases. catchphrases. We, we have at least like five of them, right? Yeah, we're pretty good at those. Pretty good. Um, yeah, I, like we were saying before, the score to this it's it's amazing. It stand it in the first like second of the movie when it opens up. It's there. It's kind of blaring at you. It, I think. I think Levi said. Uh, no, sorry. The director of Jackie, whose name mm. escapes me, uh, Pablo Larraín. I don't think that's right. Yeah, Pablo something or other. Yeah, Pablo Larraín. Larraín. Oh damn, that's good. <laughs> uh, 
Laurain ha- said that uh, the, the the sound, the music is essentially another character in the film, and yeah, it's it's pretty plain to see. It it's there. It's 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 hypno- it's uh, hypnotic. It uh, it uh, it uh, highlights the the visual agony that's going on through the film because that's it's it's, bas- it's basically what it is. I I came in reading uh, a few things about Jackie that basically said, you know, uh, forget conventional plot. This is more just visual despair on uh, on screen, and yeah, that's what it is. Um, yes, please. <laughs> it's uh, seeing it now in a current political climate. I think is um, nothing says Trump's America like Natalie Portman as Jackie walking through the White House with her blood-soaked clothes. So, um, yeah, and there's yeah, it, yeah. It's th- this one really got to me. Because yeah, I'm, this is one of my most anticipated films for the year. I need I need to see this ASAP. Portman's performance, I think, I th- it might just it might be the best thing she's ever done. I think. Well, okay, I was I thought you were going to say it's the best one of the year. No, no, no. I mean, her performance is up there for me. I I, I okay. think I still want to give uh, either either Haley Steinfeld or Rebecca Hall, you know, the best performance of the year. And well, wait until tomorrow, Marcella, when you see L. Okay, I'll, uh, and please, maybe that one will be the best performance. But it, there's, oh God, there, there's been a lot of great performances this year, mostly from women. I don't, I can't, I can't think of a good male performance that I love as much as like the ones I mentioned. I, I honestly can't. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of one. I mean, Matt, do you have a good like male performance of the year? We'll be talking about it next. Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> He's fine. Sorry. Man. He's okay. Um, but no, but. Okay, sure. So you're one of those. That's uh, nice. We'll talk about it in a second. But Portman's She's performance. Por- fine. Portman's performance is. Uh, she. I mean. Yeah, she's in. She's in agony. She's in pain. She's. She's crying through most of it. But. But then there are scenes where she's like steely and firm and just. She 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 jumps back and forth, and she is she makes Jackie the icon that the movie makes her out to be, which says a lot about how these people in high places uh, with like uh, cameras and everybody watching them, how they are supposed to handle a certain type of grief, which is is like with her, you know, planning her her husband's funeral, with like the world and history watching, you know, how does a person handle that? And I think this this film uh, deals with that topic pretty pretty well so yeah one of the best of the year this one for sure um i it's 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 not one i would be keen to be watching because of the subject uh, matter because it, it it gets pretty intense but i'll leave it at that but I yeah i could imagine yeah i could I mean, yeah i could imagine that uh uh yeah but yeah it's one of the best of the year for sure i can't wait for your, for you guys to see it um oh my I, god i cannot wait to see this thing yeah um Boy, what what else can we talk about with this movie, Matt? I mean, we're excited, right? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, you're excited. I mean, West, you're excited. Uh, let me ask you this, West. Uh, are you a fan of Natalie Portman? <laughs> yeah, I think she's a fine actor. Yeah. Uh, what are your some of what are your some of uh? Sorry, let me start that again. What are your favorite uh, performances from uh, Portman? Oh, I thought she was great in Black Swan. I don't think that's any surprise. I think a lot of people thought that she was great in that yeah. movie. And um, oh, recently there was uh, there was this uh, a western that she did that I liked very much. And, oh, Jane uh, got a gun. Yeah, yeah, 
and got a gun. That was, uh, you know, it went through a, a lot of hassles because uh, I believe it was Lynn Ramsey was supposed to direct that one, and then she dropped out like five minutes before the first day or something like that. Oh, Jesus. And, yeah, it just it just turned into a big mess. But uh, I mean, the film got finished, and uh, and uh, it's it's a good film. I think she's very good in it. It's always nice to see uh, see women uh, in in westerns because uh, that's something that somehow just doesn't get explored often enough. Yeah, that's one I have to check out. Yeah, I, I heard about those behind-the-scenes troubles. I think it's on Netflix, last I saw, possibly. I think it is, yeah. yeah I think it is, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Matt? Uh, I've, I've always been a fan of hers. Um, ever since I was in high school and I saw her in uh, Leon, the professional, I thought she was terrific in that, even at a very young age. Um, and then a couple of years later, I saw her in Mars Attacks, and she was great in that too, <laughs> as uh, the first uh, first daughter. Um, and of course, I mean, like, yeah. And then, like Wes said, uh, Black Swan. Of course, I mean, she's freaking amazing in that. And uh, a little un- uh, a movie that not a lot of people talk about, a lot of people sleep on it, is uh, Wong Kar Wai's My Blueberry Nights. I thought she was really good in that as well. As like a as like a free spirit type character, I thought she was uh, terrific in that. I thought you were going to say Attack of the Clones, but yeah, I have to check out. Uh... No one was good in that movie. <laughs> but no, My Blueberry Nights, uh, really, really good movie that a lot of people don't give enough credit. All right. And speaking of not giving enough credit, you're accusing me of not giving enough credit <laughs> to a certain Mr. Hanks in a certain film. Right, Matt? Yeah, um, I watched uh, Sully again for the first time since theaters. I uh, decided to uh, get that new 4K disc and take it for a spin on the the nice TV. And uh, yeah, it's it's purdy, it sure is. And um, yeah, this movie it hit me again just like it did uh, back in September. Um, don't know if West knew about this, but uh, when I first saw this, it was uh, it was on 9/11, and they reference 9/11 once or twice in this film, which I mean you kind of have to do with a uh, New York film like this, and it really is one of the best uh, stories of New Yorkers. Uh, I guess you'd call it come togetherness, if that's a word. I don't think that's a word, but that might be a word now. Uh, in like the post 9/11 uh, era, I really love how it's just like it's just a story of people who are really damn good at their jobs, and they can save lives being good at their jobs. I mean. You look at uh, Captain Sullenberger, and he basically just took his gut instincts and saved all 155 people on board that airplane. Uh, fun fact, people don't usually survive crashes into water. Uh, that's, not, that's not a thing that occurs. Uh, but he pulled it off. He really did pull off a miracle. And um, I would probably say this is one of his best performances in a long time. I uh, also think it's one of Clint Eastwood's best films probably since uh, The Letters from Iwo Jima, uh, which is one of my favorites of of, uh, of Eastwood. Uh, he really does something special here. Um, he makes a biopic that uh, isn't your typical biopic, because it, most biopictures, uh, I think this is the same case with Jackie, where it's uh, Jackie's not the story of her entire life. Am I right? Wait, say that last part again? Like Jackie. Jackie's not the story of uh, Jackie O's entire life. Right, no, no, yeah, it's 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 just like a segmented portion. Like I think yeah. it, it covers, uh, like her tour through the White House, and then you know mm-hmm. a week or two after her her uh, husband's assassination. Yeah, that's yeah, it. and I think that these are my favorite p- types of biopics where 
like with Jackie and now with Sully, uh, it just focuses on one moment or two moments in their life. And you don't have, you know, Sully Baby was born and he got a toy airplane for his second birthday and, <laughs> oh, he always wanted to be a pilot. No, you don't get any any uh, maudlin stuff like that. Uh, you just get a really good picture uh, with one of the most terrifying plane crash sequences I've ever witnessed in a film. Uh, I do not care for that scene. It makes me very uncomfortable. But yeah, I love Sully. It's uh, it's one of my favorite films of 2016. I adore this thing. Yeah, um, I it's I think it's fine with in retrospect. I don't. I certainly don't like love it as much as you do, Matt. I had actually lessened on it in the past like month or month or so, uh, and then my my rewatch really cemented it for me. I would I would recommend you see it again. Uh, yeah, but first I'll have to see Hell or High Water. Uh, again, that's, huh. I think that's the first on my list of rewatches before the end. Well, of yeah, the year. Re, well, re, rewatch the movie you hate first, please. I do. Hey, that's the one that everybody loves, apparently. I mean, okay, uh, yes, West. I know. West, have you seen Hell or High Water? Yes, I have. I thought it was a great movie. Okay, I'm the only one who thinks it's not a good movie. <laughs> you are literally I'm the literally only literally the only person who did not like that movie. And it, I, I've seen it just once, and I'll see it again before the end of the year to reevaluate it. I, I'll I'll do that. And and I'll give Sully another shot. There are a few others now I need to see and to reevaluate. I think I need to see Kubo and the Two Strings again. That's a good uh, movie. Yeah, uh, but let's go back to biopics. I had a conversation with my friend just basically covering the same things you were saying, Matt, about how uh, uh, good biopics like like uh, Sully and and Jackie just they don't go for the 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 entire scope of someone's life. They, they yeah. They just cover just a few days or just the important moments. Like I think Nixon was like the like a huge, like from beginning to end type of biopic, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a long movie. Yeah, it's a long movie, and I I <laughs> seem I seem to remember I haven't seen that movie in like in fifteen years. But I, seem, I like that movie, but it's long. I seem to remember it starting with him as a kid on a farm or something. Then all the something way, like that, yeah. yeah, and then all the way to like his his death. So. Um, it's it's a fine movie. It's a weird movie. Hopkins's performance is not. He's not playing Nixon. He's like playing like a like a, a, a characterization of Nixon. It's it's kind of odd to see. Um, yeah, I guess my point is that is not as good as like something like like Lincoln. Like Lincoln is amazing because that's yes, it is encapsulates encapsulates like what like a month of of Lincoln's career and I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm with you in terms of biopics. Uh, Wes, uh, do you have any opinion on this? What are some of your favorite biopics? Well, it's funny you mentioned Lincoln. I was just watching that one uh, just a week or so ago. And I I think that one holds up really well. I think it's it's an incredible movie. Um, And I do love Nixon. Uh, I think maybe I like it more than you guys do. Uh, But but also, it's not really a linear film. uh, Oliver Stone was sort of... Uh, oh, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, he was he was not doing that at that point in his career. So it actually starts somewhere in the middle of uh, uh, the Watergate break-in and its aftermath, and then it just sort of jumps around. Which uh, it, it, it certainly jumps to, back to his uh, childhood and his teenage years in the first hour, uh, but it just keeps springing back into what is the, the present day, which for that movie is the early 1970s. But... Um, yeah, I think that's it's a really extraordinary film. Oliver Stone was doing some amazing things in the the, the late '80s into the mid '90s that 
but he still hasn't he hasn't topped and maybe maybe he won't at uh, at this stage in his career but uh yeah gosh nixon was great even that the, the doors movie that he made which was exceptionally non-linear and i thought i thought that was fun i didn't think it had anything to do with reality but no. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun um i'm looking forward to seeing uh the founder the movie about ray Kroc, the guy mm. who cranked up the the mcdonald's franchise i think that's going to be uh, a very interesting story and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing michael keaton in that because i think that's that's probably going to be a lot of fun oh yeah yeah i i forget when they're releasing that they, they've moved around the release date a few times constantly constantly uh I'm pretty sure they're giving it uh an oscar an oscar run so but it, that may only be in like the major cities so yeah. may, they just at the very least definitely it's got to be in los angeles for at least a week before the end of the year so i'm, I'm willing to bet at the very least they're going to have it a give it an oscar trial run for like the, the last week of this year at one theater in los angeles at the very least yeah so those listening in los angeles go see that um, and report back to us. Send your thoughts to talkfromsociety at gmail.com. Let us uh, know. <laughs> let us know. Uh, okay. Uh, West, you saw something, uh, and you can't deny it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, um, as I said, I, I saw Lincoln, because I, basically I was watching a, uh, a mess of um, Spielberg films. Cause I was uh, preparing for uh, the third and final uh, podcast in a series that uh, I'd been doing over the course of 2016 uh, guest appearances on the Battleship Retention podcast. They, we did a three-part series on uh, John Williams. Oh, yes. So, I guess you have. Yeah. So the, the third part is uh, going to be coming out on uh, Christmas, I believe, Christmas. Um, and, yeah, that'll be the third part. His, his career is just so long and, and there's so much stuff in it that, uh, you know, they felt uh, that relegating it to a single episode just wouldn't be uh, uh, good enough. So it's Not just, fair, almost. Yeah, so they decided we would spread it over three episodes over the course of this year, and yeah, we just finished the third one. So, uh, of course, the first episode, uh, we covered like the first ten years of his career, and then the second was like the next fifteen years. And so this third episode basically covers from the, uh, the mid-90s to the present day, so like the last twenty years or so. So, and a lot of that, that best stuff in that period is Spielberg movies. So I was watching a ton of Spielberg movies. Uh, and Lincoln was one of those. Um, uh, Minority Report, which uh, is just, I, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. It's a wildly underrated film and an incredibly prescient film in terms of uh, the, the, the technology and the, the way that it's progressing and, and sort of you know, becoming ever more invasive in our lives. You go back and look at Minority Report, and you see that uh, there were people who were, that worked on that film saw a lot of the stuff coming that we're dealing with today. I mean, in stuff that we'll be, we will be dealing with in the future. I mean, just driverless cars that, that's already in there, and you know, targeted advertising that's already in there. Yes, I know because uh, earlier today I was uh, searching. I was on Facebook, and it was like, "Hey, stuff's in your Amazon cart." I'm like, "How do you know this? Stop yeah. that!" Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> It's so, convenient, but it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, so that's it's it's that's a really great movie, and uh, AI, artificial intelligence, I think, is also incredibly underrated. Ah, um, uh, yes, uh, that that movie that made for a very awkward first date in high school for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
that's not a date night movie. It, it's no, it's not. It's really horrific. Yes, it is. <laughs> Even though the, you know, the 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 robot kid is a robot kid, I mean, still, it's just you know, that scene where the, the the mother just abandons him in the woods. It's it's terrifying. It's horrific, and it's also it's like. I, I didn't think that somebody could take what was essentially a cartoon gag and turn it into a, a horrifying, frightful moment. But that's mm-hmm. what Spielberg did. I don't know if you remember these, this this character in Warner Brothers cartoons, uh, Charlie the Dog, who was always like on the lookout for somebody to be his master, and he would always just you know he would kind of he would zero in on somebody and basically just pester the bejesus out of them until they they decided to do it uh, uh, to to adopt him. And th- there's a cartoon that starts out with that very same setup. Where the, the car Jesus. comes to a halt at the side of the road, and the guy, you know, the driver, gets out and says, uh, "Come on, Charlie boy, come on, let's have a picnic, let's go." And and Charlie the dog runs out and 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 go, go get the stick, boy. And he, the guy throws the stick, and Charlie goes to get it, and then the guy just grabs all the picnic shit, runs back into the car, and drives away. And Charlie dog just like you know runs back to the side of the road, and the stick falls slowly from his mouth as the car pulls away. That's what happens to the kid in AI. And you know, a, a children's cartoon. Yeah, a Chuck Jones cartoon from the fifties. It's like I can't that cartoon the same way again. But um, so, and it's just, but it also has a lot of very interesting points to make about our relationship to to technology as well. And yeah. that's something obviously was very much on his mind. Um, See, the reason I love uh, AI and love uh, talking to people about it is because if they didn't. No, they wouldn't. They probably wouldn't know it's a Spielberg movie. And then if you read about it, you realize that when Kubrick had his hands on it, it had a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, that's the weird part. A lot of people it's like it's like, oh, Spielberg made this dark. What? No. <laughs> no, a lot of people they they see the ending of this movie and they think that Spielberg just kind of you know went for this sort of syrupy ending, but that that was that was Kubrick's. Yeah, and exactly. Also, and also, it's not syrupy and sweet. It's it's monstrously tragic, mm-hmm. and I, basically deep down, the you know I mean spoilers for a fifteen-year-old movie, but I mean <laughs> you know at the end of this this final scene, the kid knows that I mean all he's wanted for literally you know hundreds of years is to be reunited with his mother, and they the these advanced uh, uh, robots basically uh, managed to they, they're, they're going to manage to make that work for him but it's only going to be for a day and he knows that after that that's that's it there's no more it's not coming back and so he knows that it's basically a lie he knows that he's being lied to but he's okay with that he'll take the lie and in that moment I think that the boy is actually more human than, than a lot of humans I know yeah exactly Oh God, I I can't wait to rewatch this movie. It's been uh, I've I watched it a few summers ago, and I really want to go back and uh, delve back into this. Uh, AI is one of my favorite uh, Spielberg movies. Yeah, it's an it's an amazing piece of work. But also, there again, uh, very prescient about the future because it uh, depicts mankind basically being destroyed by global warming. So you know, there's something for us all to look forward to. That's 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 a myth. Global warming, the, the climate change is a myth. We we know this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all made up. It's all made up. Also, in that whole era, uh, there's another, maybe one of the most overlooked Spielberg films is The Terminal, and it's a movie. Oh, I that, love The Terminal. Yeah, I I really love that movie. It's just a, it's 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 a sort of a small film in a way, but I think mm-hmm. that it it doesn't feel that way to some people because it gets sort of dwarfed by the enormous production design. 
because it is essentially sort of a small kind of intimate story, but it takes place in this enormous uh, uh, airport terminal. Yes, yeah. Which is not a real airport terminal. They he tried to find one in some you know. Air, I mean, obviously you couldn't at that point. You couldn't do it at an airport in the United States because of all the security and, and all that stuff. It was just that would impossible. have been insane. Yeah. But there were other airports in other parts of the world where, like, uh, no, you don't have to take your shoes off. And uh, but yeah. the amount of time that he would have spent filming in those airports, that was where everybody said, uh, no, no, uh, get out. And <laughs> no, so make, make make a set, please. <laughs> yeah. So it's all a set, and it's it, and it's an extraordinary set because I mean, they built it in uh, a giant airplane hangar in Palmdale, California. And, oh wow! And that's everything that you see in there. It, it's all a set, and not only that, but it's all a set that works. The, <laughs> the, the escalators were real escalators that they got out of like a mall that went bankrupt. And Jesus, all the stuff like you know, all the little franchise things. The the, the Borders bookstore is all stocked with books, and the 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 Burger King is you know all the stuff to make burgers. It's all in there. You know the pretzel place, all the stuff to make pretzels. It's all in there. Uh, it, it's it's amazing the the level of detail in it. All the water so during lunch during lunch. Do they just go to the food court at the fake airport? Yeah, they might as well because <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. That's what you're in the mood for. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get yeah. some Sabaro today, guys. See you later. Yeah. So <laughs> it's in and uh, and you can sort of see a parallel in terms of that with uh, the Jacques Tati film uh, Playtime because uh, that was oh, I've heard film. of that. Yeah, Tati, uh, he basically built Paris. <laughs> Out on the outskirts of Paris. He spent millions, millions of dollars, and some of it was his own money, just building this just enormous indoor-outdoor set of Paris for, for his film and, and, and used that as his sort of enormous canvas to, to tell his, his, his story. And Spielberg pretty much did a very similar thing with the terminal, building this this enormous set. But in a way, it also has uh, overtones of Billy Wilder as well in its relationship between uh, the Tom Hanks character and the Catherine. I see that, yeah. Um, so I think it's it's a really great movie. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. Um, yeah, so that's that's another one. And, of course, uh, War of the Worlds. Ah, the name of the episode. <laughs> his, his remake of War of the Worlds I thought was was really great. Um, oh, that's it's one of the, definitely one of the most terrifying experiences I've had in a theater. Uh, I remember when I saw this; it was opening weekend, and uh, the theater had just had a new sound system put in. Oh, okay. So every time those uh, tripods made their noise, the the whole room shook, and uh, definitely one of the scariest things I've seen as an adult in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, well, I will say this though: um, if you're watching that movie after uh, a presidential election has gone horribly, horribly wrong, mm-hmm. all faith in humanity, and you would like to see millions of people uh, die horribly by Martians, <laughs> uh, the war there world you go. is a, a thoroughly wonderful and uh, delightful comedy for me. <laughs> I out of it, especially the part with Tim Robbins. Oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> you know the uh, you know the guy who subscribes to Infowars and lives in his basement now. Yeah, that uh, Tim Robbins. Yeah, him. Yeah. Oi. Oof, Jesus, he's terrifying. <laughs> and Tom Tom Cruise is just like, all right, uh, sweetie, go to bed. I need to talk with the man. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, what what else uh, other uh, what else have you watched from the Berg lately? Oh well, then uh, I also saw the uh, the BFG. Oh, how was it? Uh, Marcel, you saw this, right? Yes, during the summer, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was a fine, you know, mid to 
yeah, more mid tier Spielberg. I mean, not, not not a bad movie, but uh, I I I enjoyed it for what it was, though. But Wes, what did you think of it? Yeah, I I liked it. I kind of wanted to love it, but uh, that that just didn't happen. <laughs> I think part of it was just it felt like too much uh, computer generated stuff, yeah. and I think it was necessary. I mean, you could you could have flesh and blood actors playing the giants. And not, you know, I, I'm sure they did like motion capture stuff with real actors, and then they w- would just erase them and animate these uh, these these giants in later. But it's like, what what would be the harm in just uh, having the actors just uh, in in front of a green screen or whatever, uh, just having them those people themselves do yeah. that? Because um, Mark Rylance is is the BFG, and and it's like it. The, the the face of the uh, the character it, it pretty it's pretty much him so I mean, it's like why not just go that extra step and just have it be him him physically there in the movie uh Jermaine Clement is in there as like a, the the bad giant uh it would have been fun to actually see him there I think it would have been more entertaining if it had been him physically in the movie and Bill Hader Bill Hader was one of the giants uh, it would have been great well, that would have been awesome to see him yeah yeah you know just Put him in there. That's that would have been a, a fun thing to do, but instead they just went CG on on all of these cats, and I just felt like it, it, just, it just sort of seemed more like a like a cartoon than a live action movie. And I don't have anything against uh, I don't have anything against cartoons, certainly not. But I just found myself wishing that uh, we could see flesh and blood actors doing all this stuff. Yeah, I I agree with you there, Wes. Uh, I, I will say the movie has probably my favorite fart joke in maybe, I don't know, since when. I mean, <laughs> it goes Blazing Saddles and maybe the BFG. <laughs> what what other movies have <laughs> as great? I mean, you haven't seen it yet, Matt, right? No, I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. You, should, you mentioned this on another episode. Yeah, um, yeah that fart joke is, uh, is an all-timer. Uh, it has a great setup, and then the the delivery the the payoff is extraordinary so um, I'm glad it's, I I that, it, it's like the I think the main reason why I'm, I'm I don't um, why I think finally of it I think is because of that fart joke <laughs> but yeah but yeah it's 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 a sweet movie You're I, adults. I, I I admit I got teary eyed at the end of that movie but I think it was I think that same day I had watched Swiss Army Man and Finding Dory. Uh, and oh, also, wow, that's quite the day. And also, The Shallows. So, oh, that's I, a day. I saw four movies in one day, and I think by the but and the BFG was the last movie I saw that day. So by that point, I was emotionally uh, gone. So, um, yeah, I, I admit I cried. I think a little at the BFG. So, um, yeah, you, yeah, you should you should check it out, Matt. It's good. I will. Yeah, do it. It's yeah. Spielberg, so I'm sure. sure I'll see it eventually. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not a monster. <laughs> Are you though? I mean, that's that. That remains to be seen. We shall see. We shall see. Um, uh, uh, did you see anything else? Any other Spielberg West? Uh, let's see. Nope, nope. I think those were pretty much all the uh, the Spielberg films that I saw. Yeah. Um, and happy belated birthday to the man. He just uh, yeah the other day. Yeah, the other day. Uh, I I tweeted out. Um, I think that's another catchphrase of mine. Me saying I tweeted out, or I read something <laughs> on Twitter. Um, I tweeted out uh, Minority Report, uh, Munich, Lincoln, uh, Catch Me If You Can, and I, I said something like, you know, uh, 
a director I mean that that's like late era Spielberg and a director would die to have like that as like their top movies and yeah Spielberg, it's crazy and Spielberg just did that in the last like 20 years and you know that's I mean before that he did fucking classics before that so uh, fun fact he's pretty good he's pretty good you know you know he's pretty good <laughs> he was unstoppable in the first half of the uh, the 21st century oh yeah yeah absolutely Basically, the, only thing, the only thing that killed his momentum was that Indiana Jones movie until then, then I mean, just, yeah well, most most of these movies and and the ones that you named as well uh, Munich and, and Catch Me If You Can all these movies are just like in the in this this incredible burst of creativity between about the year 2001 and 2006 just churning out all this great stuff and uh, it, it's it's extraordinary, particularly for somebody who's basically sort of you know late in his career at this point. Yeah, uh, him to come out with something like that, and and also that's why it's a really good example of why you shouldn't count out uh, older filmmakers because yes, definitely there are some where as they get older they seem to definitely just sort of lose touch with uh, the muse or what what have you. Just going through the motions. Yeah, but the, and but you never know. You never know when all of a sudden. It, that 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 spark is going to hit, and they're going to come roaring back because you know Woody Allen was able to do it, uh, Clint Eastwood has been able to do it, Sidney Lumet was able to do it in the, the twilight of uh, of his career. So you know you should you should never count out uh, those 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 older guys because yeah. uh, you never they might all of a sudden just spring something on you that'll make your jaw hit the floor. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and, and like we mentioned earlier, I mean Scorsese, he's been doing that. I mean, how, how old is Scorsese now? Like eighty? I don't know. And he's seventy. Yeah, he's, he's he's getting up there, and he's making movies like Wolf of Wall Street. That's a, a man, a director in his twenties. Would you think that would come out of him? But no, it's yeah. Scorsese. Um, he is living the dream. <laughs> Good old eyebrows. Um, I want to be that old and that creative uh, by by the time I'm his age. Um, so okay, that was Spielberg, uh, and I'm you got, well, Marcelo, you got yourself creeped out, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I got myself creeped out uh, because I am I'm scared of how much I love Spielberg, and also I watched the movie Creep Show two last night. Nice. Um, that's that's kind of a segue. Um, and that's, that's, yeah, that's sure. That, that, that's another catchphrase we have. That's a segue. We say yeah, that sure all the time. Creep show two. I've um, said it on this show a few times, and on uh, Talk Prime, the Talk from Society podcast, uh, that uh, I I prefer Creep Show two over the first Creep Show. Uh, I grew up on Creep Show two. I was sufficiently creeped out by Creep Show two as a kid. The v- <laughs> the VHS cover is horrific. Uh, oh yeah. Oh well, the front of it is just like that creep show, like pointing at the screen in like in a theater. Yes. But the back of it is, it has like stills from the segments from from this movie, from uh, the raft, you know, with that black gook on that woman's face. I don't face. care for that. I don't care for that. Uh, and also had I think a still on the back from uh, the hitchhiker. I think. <laughs> <laughs> the hitchhiker, the hitchhiker in the movie who gets run over at least like twenty times, you see his face <laughs> bloodied on the back of the oh, VHS. Of so yeah, you got to get those rentals, Mark. <laughs> I uh, tell me about the new uh, the new special edition that came out. Though. Yeah, it's the it's the limited edition. Well, okay, it came out in two versions thanks to Arrow Video. Uh, ah, they do good work. They they do good work. Uh, I have been angling to get the limited edition, which includes a uh, a comic 
Uh, and luckily, oh. yeah, and luckily, I, I I managed to find a copy of the limited edition. I think it's limited to like two thousand copies, so I got lucky. Jesus. Um. So yeah, I have the limited edition. It comes with a comic. That comic is of a story that uh, was supposed to be in Creepshow two, but went unproduced. Uh, well, the story of Creepshow two was they wanted to have five stories, like the original Creepshow, uh, but due to money restraints, which. From listening to the commentary and looking and, and looking through the special features, the the budget thing was like a big deal. Like they wanted to have you know a, a wider scope. They wanted to have more effects in the movie, but they were just they they didn't have Creepshow one money, so they had to cut back. <laughs> uh, there were only three stories in Creepshow two. Uh, hey, at least they didn't have Creepshow three money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's never talk about that, Matt. I'm gonna forget you mean the about the, the hundred dollars in change that 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 producer found in the couch cushions. That that I could not finish that movie. That may be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Creepshow three. <laughs> it's not. It, it's really bad. Uh, and and uh, uh, I I was uh, with um, my gosh, I forget. Who, who directed Creepshow One? Oh my god, I forgot. Uh, uh, Romero. R- Romero, sorry, George A. Romero. Uh, George was it George A. Romero? Yeah. Yes. Okay, sorry. He, uh, he does zombie movies. Of course. How can I forget the man with with the with the glasses and that like uh, that like jacket he has on? What's it? The the the, 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 vest, the, the vest. vest. Yeah, that that one. Yeah. He was wearing that in the special features, and he goes, "Yeah, I'd like to make a Creepshow Three. Why not?" Uh, <laughs> He, he believes Creepshow and the TV series, which spun off from Creepshow, Tales from the Dark Side. He still thinks that's like a good idea, and I'm with him. Okay, they they uh, I think M Night Shyamalan is bringing back Tales from the Crypt, which is I don't know. That sounds cool. I, I hope that turns out well. But why not have Tales from the Dark Side? Bring that back. That was a really good show. So, uh, anyway, yes. So Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, which I talked about on this show a few weeks ago. That was a George George Romero and Stephen King production, and they managed to make one of those missing segments from Creepshow Two in that I think oh, cool. called uh, like the Cat's Tail or something. It, it had an evil cat in it, so that's in there. And then this other one, the fifth one, they never produced, and uh, some genius at Arrow thought, "Hey, let's make that into a comic and put that in the limited edition." So that's what's in the limited edition. Is oh, that, that's awesome. It's that uh, short that never got produced, never saw the light of the day, and now it's yeah, it's a comic uh, that I can hold in my hand and read through. It's called Pinfall, and it okay. tells, tells a story about these these guys who are bowling this like league. And they get terrorized by these bowling zombies, and that's, that's <laughs> and it sounds amazing. And I wish they had produced. Sounds it. fun. Yeah, but yeah, Creepshow too. Like the the release, like I said, it has a lot of special features, commentary. Uh, you get like a Tom Savini uh, interview. Get a right, get a George Romero interview. Uh, yeah, and it, it has like a thirty minute behind the scenes uh, documentary about the special effects behind it uh, with uh, Greg Nicotero. Uh, and his partner, oh, nice. from, and his partner from K and B, where they go into the effects, and it 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 it, it essentially started K and B because like those two, him and his partner, uh, I think Brett, I think Greg Berger or something. I, f- I forget his name. I'm sorry. They started K and B, and for those who don't know, K and B is like one of the big special effects houses out there. Like n- n- now they do work on you know The Walking Dead, but they've done work on all of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Uh, I mean, look up Greg Nicotero. He's he's one of the best effects people out there. But yeah, they they got their start like in Creepshow two and working with Rick Baker, 
and and they they tell these stories that are like fascinating behind like the making of these effects on Creepshow two, and I, <laughs> I'm I'm happy that there's this release that apparently like uh, cobbled together like previous DVD releases and Blu-ray releases from like the UK, and and they put it all together for this release for the US, and it's like the perfect release for any movie, but it's for Creepshow two, and I'm happy. I'm so happy you can pick this up. I'm happy it exists, okay? Because I, like I said earlier, Creepshow Two is my favorite Creepshow movie. Um, and yeah, it's it. As for the movie itself, it's it still terrifies me. It's like there's no fun streak in it at all. <laughs> that's that's one thing Romero said in the behind the scenes stuff. He wish he had more money for Creepshow Two because he, he was he was a screenwriter and producer on Creepshow Two. He wish he had more okay. money. And he wished he put that money into just making it like a more fun experience. But as it is now, it's really it's like it's like cheap and dirty and evil, <laughs> and that's what I like about it. So, yeah, Creepshow two and that new Arrow video release well worth your time if you're a fan, if you're a casual fan of Creepshow two. If you want to give it another shot, do it. I'll definitely be yeah. I'll be picking this yeah. up. The limited really cool. The limited edition is like forty bucks, but the 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 standard edition is like twenty. Two or something on Amazon, so that's 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 fine. It's well worth your time. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad for the 50th episode I got to talk about one of my favorites, Creepshow Two. Uh, <laughs> I've only ever seen the first one. Yeah, the, I mean the first one is like really good. I, I I think I'm one of the few people who would say the second one is 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 better. I get a lot of I get a lot out of it uh, more than the first one, Creepshow Two. Yeah. It, I, I say it's worth it if you're a fan of like horror anthologies for sure. I think it stands I think it stands the test of time. It still stands as one of the best for me. Yeah, um, I just saw the when it came out. I'm now I'm curious about Creep Show too because you say the raft is on there. Oh yes, uh, the raft. Yeah, yeah, because all these who don't know listening out there, uh they're all based on Stephen King stories. So yes, the raft is in there, the hitchhiker and yeah. uh the 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 Indian, I forget the name of this of the of the short story. But the 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 Indian who comes to life, the the cigar store Indian who comes to life. So that's, oh, okay, uh, that's on there. But yeah, Stephen King stories. Uh, the, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, go, go ahead, West. I remember reading the raft, and it was yeah, it's a really uh, terrifying and, and gross story. I don't, I'm not even sure what what when was Creepshow two made? It was 1987. 87. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they could they could do what. Is depicted in the story. I don't. Oh, I mean, uh, it, it, this. Uh, have you read? The I've not read the story. I've I've read like a summary, but I haven't read the whole thing. But I can just tell you that. Uh, I mean, this this ooze. I, I guess I will give a quick synopsis of it. Yeah, I've the, I've said it before, but this is the scene that gave me nightmares as a kid. I'm, I'm telling you, each each one of these stories. You know, there's moments in each of these stories, the three of them in Creepshow Two, that kind of freaked me out as a kid, absolutely. But in 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 the raft segment in Creepshow Two, these kids go out uh, swimming uh, at a lake. They go to a raft in the middle of the lake, and they're surrounded by this black ooze. And slowly but surely, this black ooze uh, starts killing them. And I think the first one who goes is this girl who puts her arm like near the goo, and the goo spurts out and attaches herself. Yeah, I mean it, it attaches to her and pulls her down. And yeah, it it there's blood and sicky ooze over him, and she turns to a skeleton, and that's kind of horrific. And there's a scene that haunts me where this this guy is standing on the the this thing, and this and then the ooze comes through up the the raft and. And oh. pulls him down, and his leg shoots up. So it's like 
it's an acute angle and pulls him through the through the raft. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty horrific that they in it with in that, with 1987 horror low budget money they did a pretty good job. Okay. Yeah, because I just remember it was it was kind of weirder in in, in the story that uh, yeah it's like a, it's it's depicted as like a, a some kind of mysterious oil slick and like the first person who goes in it's like she she just sort of is hypnotized by the sight of it and she just sort of I can't remember if she falls in or jumps in but nothing grabs her she just sort of just goes into the water and just, and then she's never heard from again ah uh, yeah and, uh, and then yeah but but then. Then this that that was the thing you mentioned was one thing that I was thinking about the most is that the bit where the guy the the it pulls the guy in through a crack in the raft yeah yeah and that's yeah, like, that's that's one moment that's one moment that does happen yeah in the story it's slow and excruciating and there's like lots of you know the sound of like bones breaking and agony uh. because he's pulled because it's a crack it's not like a, a hole it's a crack <laughs> a human being is being pulled through it and and then so it takes time. <laughs> and, oh. But it sounds like uh, they didn't, they couldn't quite make that happen. But oh well. I think, I think you know, it, it's not uh, uh, in the film. It's not as excruciating as as you make it out to seem, Wes. But I think they they did a pretty decent job. I mean, they uh, uh, they, they have like a fake leg like sticking up like uh, up to the guy's head, and he just he gets pulled through, and it it, it is kind of horrific. There's plenty of screaming and crunching. So yeah, okay. the, the, I'll check it. Yeah, yeah, I I recommend it. Again, I may be crazy because because uh, the first one for many like that's a a, a certified horror classic. Um, and for me to say, yes, and for me yeah, for me to say Creep Show Two is better, it's kind of maybe blasphemy for some people. But that's 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 where I stand. And Learn the I, witch. One of the actors in the original Creep Show, Fritz Weaver, just uh, passed away recently. Yeah. Uh, Rest in peace. Um, among the tsunami of uh, people who were were taken in this year. I mean, it. Uh, 2016 does not stop. I, I'm telling you what. Um, it's that time of year, though, uh, where we get festive, right, Matt? Yeah, and we start to watch, you know, holiday and Christmas movies. So tonight, I watched one of the most festive Christmas movies. I watched a Bob Clark classic, uh, a Christmas. Star- I'm just kidding. I watched Black Christmas. Uh, and uh, oh boy, um, I took uh, the writer for TalkFilmSociety.com's advice, uh, Ian West. I took his advice and picked up the new uh, Scream Factory release of uh, Black Christmas, um, one of the coolest uh, early, one of the early first uh, slasher movies. And this movie, uh, it's 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 a fun little tradition that I, I have. I, I try to watch it every every December at least once or twice. Um, and this new release is uh, to sound hokey to die for. <laughs> it's got uh, it's got a whole bunch of new special features. Um, it's got uh, new interviews. Um, it's got uh, some great uh, commentaries. Um, I really love this thing. It has a brand new 2K scan. Uh, from the original negatives, and it looks gorgeous. Um, I laughed a lot more this time, uh, this time watching it, uh, because I finally, you know, I connected with uh, Margot Kidder, because uh, she's funny in this. She's very funny, she's constantly drinking, and uh, I don't think she was playing a character. Anyway, um, she's really good in this. Um, Andrea Martin is really good, uh, and it was really weird that I saw her in this, because earlier in the day, I was watching that recent TV show, The Hairspray Live, where she has a she plays a large role in that, and it was fun to see her as a young kid uh, being stalked by a serial killer in in the house um, on Christmas. 
And yeah, I love Black Christmas. And um, I guess Bob Clark had a thing for Christmas because ten years later he would make a Christmas story. Uh, so he made one, you know, not so horrifying Christmas movie, and then he made, you know, then he made Black Christmas. So yeah, I love this thing. It's a lot of fun. If you get the chance, definitely check out the Scream Factory release. It's uh, it's a good time. Yeah, that's one of your catchphrases, Matt. It's a good time. <laughs> it is a good time. It's a very good time. <laughs> uh, I, I I have not seen Black Christmas. I was uh, unfortunate enough to miss a screening of it here in Austin. Whoa! Kicking myself about. Um, I, when I went to go to the page to buy tickets for it, it was sold out. Of course, Draft House lets me down once in my life. Um, but yeah, I, the place where sometimes dreams aren't made. <laughs> sometimes, but I will say, uh, dreams are mostly made because next week I'm seeing Shin Godzilla and Fury Road Black and Chrome on the same day. So at the Draft House, so I'm I'm. I hate you. <laughs> it's gonna be the best day of the year. Um, but Black Christmas, West. Uh, have you seen Black Christmas? No, no, I haven't. I've, I've heard about it, but uh, no, I've seen a Christmas story, and it's yeah. not <laughs> not as horrific. I'm betting. Uh, yeah, I love I love the cast in this thing. John Saxon, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, he's he's freaking awesome in this as the lieutenant. Um, I always mispronounce his name, but Kier Dulay from 2001. Right. Uh, he plays the uh, obsessive boyfriend of Olivia Hussey in this, and. That's awesome. It's really nice to see him not in outer space. No. Uh, it's, that's always that's always a nice change of pace. But yeah, I love this. I love the um, the cinematography in this. They actually uh, the <clears throat> cameraman uh, Reg, Reg Morris he invented a rig so he could wear the camera uh, because every time the killer is doing something, it's from first person. So you see like his hands in front of the camera and all that. So he built a a rig so he could wear this this movie camera on his shoulders and he would be able to like you know crawl up into the attic like with the camera on his shoulders still filming it's really inventive stuff uh 1974 uh we got two really great slasher films that year we got this and texas chainsaw so that basically kicked off the whole i guess it's a movement that slasher film movement uh great stuff i love black christmas <laughs> yeah i have to check out the it's, it's a scream factory release right Yes, it is. Oh, and uh, please avoid the remake. Oh, <laughs> I almost forgot about that. I'm glad you reminded me. Um, I mean, sure, Andrea Martin comes back in that one, as uh, this time she's playing the uh, sorority house mother in that, and uh, Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is also in it. What? Okay. Yes. Maybe I have to yes. see this. Eh, no. Wait, isn't, wasn't Mary Elizabeth Winstead also in The Thing remake? She yep. was. What is her? What? Well, that technically wasn't a, a remake. It was supposed to be. Oh, a, it was a prequel, right? Yeah. yeah. the 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 remake of Black Christmas has a cast. It has her. It has Michelle Trachtenberg, and it has. What? Uh, and I don't I don't know her name, but it has Fetch from Mean Girls. Fetch from Mean Girls. She she's always trying to make Fetch happen. Right. Oh. And she she was in Party of Five, I think. Oh. Yeah. Lace, Lacey Chabert. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. You get well. You get to see all those people get murdered by Bart Simpson. <laughs> oh hey, boy! Yeah, the sequel's bonkers, Marcelo. Uh, this kid had a liver disease, so his skin turned yellow. So he lives what? in the wall. He, uh, okay, so his mom hated him because he had this liver disease, so he looked weird. So he turned yellow. So he, she tried to kill her son, but failed, and then 
dug him and like like buried him in the basement while he was alive so he like lived in the walls and so the husband was like no don't do that so she killed her husband with the help of her boyfriend and then one night the boyfriend passed out drunk so she decided to have sex with her kid instead so then they had like a like a like a sister daughter thing that you know the crazy kid with the liver disease he went nuts because of this so he he killed his 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 mother and made cookies out of her back and this is a movie that happened what are you telling me matt <laughs> <laughs> i gave you the basic gist of the black christmas remake which uh you just heard it don't, that that's the movie uh, for every time somebody made back cookies <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, it's, it's 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 something else i've seen it i've seen it one and a half times and i will never watch it again. <laughs> that sounds delightful um yeah it's it's definitely a movie we should make it we should do a commentary for that matt let's do that can we <laughs> for back cookies alone uh oh. phantasm <laughs> I saw yes. Phantasm. Oh, there goes my cat feeder. It's on random, apparently. I don't know when. It, <laughs> the, the the clock on it, I set it for a certain time, but then, like, for some reason, I don't know, it's it's a shitty cat feeder. It uh, it, shift, <laughs> it, it shifts time, so I think it I think it thinks it's, like, 6 a.m. right now, so it's weird. Sure isn't. Phantasm. That's a weird movie I saw. Isn't it? It is. Um, yeah, okay. it's really weird. That's why. I love it. I told you before we recorded, I gave you a lukewarm response to, to me seeing it. I said I fell asleep after Boy. seeing it. Um, I, I will say it was late, and I had just I had just been uh, uh, blown away by another movie we'll talk about later. Uh, Fair enough. I did a double feature. So I was into it, but it was... Uh, here's what I'll say about it. I can see why J.J. Abrams love this, loves this movie so much. Um, it's essentially like if <laughs> I, I could see Abrams doing you know a movie like this. Well, actually, he does it all the time now. It's it's essentially a, a mystery box movie where you don't know exactly yeah. what's happening, and as you you know reveal what what is supposedly happening, there's a lot more questions surrounding it. So it was weird seeing it through those eyes because uh, uh-huh. I saw the new Blu-ray that was remastered. Uh, yeah, bad, bad. Yeah, bad. Robot did a great job yeah, with that restoration. I, absolutely. Like uh, that's the first thing I will say about this this Blu-ray. It looks beautiful. It looks like they shot it like, you know, not you know thirty years ago, like maybe ten years ago. It looks my okay nice. minus minus hairstyle and clothing. You, you <laughs> think this was you th- you think this was a new movie? Yeah. No, it, it, the restoration is that good. Yeah, they uh, did a great job. And and their their logo, uh, they have like a new shiny phantasmy logo that opens up, mm-hmm. that opens up the movie. So that's yeah, cool. I don't know that may have influenced my my watch of it by just a bit. I go, man, this is like exact the elements that JJ Abrams loves, like for yeah. good and bad. But I will say I enjoyed it. It's it's a fun horror movie. I love it's bonkers. I love it's bonkers. I love Angus Scrimp. He is oh my god! Right, a wonderful person. There's there's a uh, interview, and by all and by all accounts, he was the nicest man. Yeah, no, no. no. There's an is there's an interview on the Blu-ray uh, with him and the director, whose name Don, I cannot Cas- Don Don Cascarelli. Don Cascarelli, Don yeah. Cascarelli, and Angus Scrimm are, are being interviewed back in like 1979, 
and Angus uh. Angus, Angus Grimm seems like the most delightful person. He's t- he's <laughs> he's talking about the movie with s- such delight, like oh, I can't do a good Angus Grimm impression. I'm sorry, but yeah, no one can. <laughs> For a man that's supposed to be, you know, the tall man, uh, uh, basically death personified, he was. He seems super pleasant and super, you know, uh, good to be around. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I fell in love with him. I fell in love with like his character and the crazy shit that happens. Uh, but yeah, it, it 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 did kind of drain on me by the end. But uh, but also it just it just gets really weird. It, yeah, it gets maybe maybe too weird. And then the end happens, and I go, oh, I I want to see more. I want to see more of this craziness because I know what there are two, three, four. It goes up to five, right? Uh, yeah, Phantasm Five. So yeah, I'd like to see more. This is you're gonna you're gonna get to see a lot more of Reggie, <laughs> Reggie the Ice Cream Man. That's so weird. He's, he's the he's, he's, the, he's basically character. like he's awesome. <laughs> I, I love how like when something bad happens, he's like, "How about I just play a song on my guitar? <laughs> I'll calm you all down." Uh, like, thanks, thanks, Reg. Let me ask you this, Matt. Since I mean, you, have you seen all of them now? Uh, no, I've only seen the first one still. You've only seen the first one. You haven't seen the rest of Phantasm. I've seen the first one like ten times, and I've not seen the sequels yet. Uh, let me ask West. West, have you seen any of the Phantasms? I saw the first one like a zillion years ago, but I haven't seen any of the ones that came after. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm really interested to see if... That's my homework for 2016, Marcel. I'm going to watch all of them. Okay, by the end of this year, 2016? No, no, no. I, oh, yeah, next year is 2017. Yeah, that's 2017 then. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, I think they're on... Most of them are on... Um, what's that service? Shudder, right? Yes, they are. Yes, so if you have Shudder, I think you have those at your fingertips uh yeah I, i'm interested to see the rest uh from what i hear it gets even crazier i think mm-hmm. the third one's supposed to be really good but yeah um he has my attention with phantasm i'm interested yeah, it's it's a fun movie man i'm telling it's you <laughs> yeah, I, I love the score though that's, right that's one aspect that i really latched onto it's it's kind of been stuck in my head uh since watching it the score to phantasm yeah, it's, it's it's creepy yeah it's creepy um so yeah that was my experience with Phantasm for the first time. Uh, I, I'll give it an, another shot uh, this time when I have more energy. And there you go. I'm gonna do a marathon of like the entire franchise. So. Oh yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I I heard I've heard bad things about the fifth one though. Phantasm uh, Five. See, I've heard it's just okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, what what do you expect from a series? That's like almost what thirty. 40. Years, 40 years old Jesus Christ yeah uh, that was phantasm um, speaking of crazy Matt oh yeah speaking of crazy real quick uh, I'm not going to dwell on this one for very long but I rewatched uh, Rob Zombie's 31 uh, his most recent picture and uh, I still love it I still think this this movie was the omen for you know Donald Trump's uh, getting elected this is uh, those weird you know Malcolm McDowell playing that weird Barry Lyndon character you know he's like this is Donald Trump in his off time, where he just you know captures poor people and has them fight to the death. I'm sure he, do, I'm sure Trump does that uh, on his weekends down in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, so yeah, this is this is a horribly terrifying movie, and I couldn't recommend it more. <laughs> uh, Rob Zombie, right? Uh, yes, his new one. Would Would you say fans of Rob Zombie will definitely like it? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> So even if you're a fan of Rob Zombie, you might not like it. Yeah, basically. Interesting. What if it's I'm not like, a guarantee? It's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. Interesting. Okay. 
So that was 31. Uh, I love it. <laughs> you love many things that I don't love, Matt. I know. Uh, actually, uh, 31, you'll be hearing about it uh, in a month or so when I compile a certain list for uh, TalkFilmSociety.com. Really? That, this is going to be in your top 10? Uh, it's close. It's very close. Oh my God, Matt. I, uh, I haven't seen it, but I don't know. Wait. <laughs> I know. I have, I have bad opinions. Maybe. Uh, because I call them bad opinions. I don't call them hot takes. <laughs> all the kids do. I had this conversation last week. We uh, did. We did. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> uh, uh, West. West. Yes, okay. you saw a movie uh, that starred Marky Mark uh, about an oil rig. Is that right? Oh, he's, he's Mark Wahlberg now. Come on. He hasn't <laughs> worn the backward pants in like 25 years. <laughs> Yeah, I saw Deepwater Horizon, which I was—I I knew I was going to feel ambivalent about seeing the movie, and uh, you know that that ambivalence uh, stood me in good stead. I, I did not particularly care for it. Uh, I thought it was very curious, just just attempting to make this movie the, the way uh, the director uh, Peter Berg did. And I guess this is one of uh, two movies that he has coming out this year with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Um, and I'm not Boy. I'm not looking forward to the other one either. <laughs> this, uh, this this one, uh, Deepwater Horizon, as far as I'm concerned, it's basically an attempt to turn uh, murderous criminal corporate malfeasance into a sort of uh, a study of heroism and feel-good uh, uh, jingoistic patriotic Americanism. Um, and I think that's a really bad idea. Yeah, so, uh, from what I've heard about this, they just tried to turn this tragedy into an action movie. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. much what happened, um, and I I found it uh, really really unpleasant and unwarranted. I don't think this is a movie that should have been made the way it was made. Uh, just again, you're talking about a massive multi billion dollar oil company um, doing stuff that they they should not have been doing, and uh, yeah, there's there's a little little you know, a couple of title cards at the end. You know, well, this person did this and that person did that, and then uh, these people were indicted for this, but then nothing happened. As yeah. a, after their indictment, uh, you know that, that's what everybody should be talking about. There's a thing that you might, you you could make a movie about if you really want to uh, get everybody stirred up over something. Yeah, exactly. You make something about the uh, the court proceedings. Yeah, uh, but instead they try to make it this this sort of you know rah rah movie about the uh, you know indomitable uh, uh, can do American spirit, and and in its own way I think that that the way the the story was told I think that this is another. Uh, uh, sort of interesting portent of uh, what was to come on on election day. Yeah, because this is this is this is not the story that would have been made in the seventies. In fact, no, I, I, I know for a fact this was not the story that was made in the seventies because the story that was made in the seventies was the fucking China syndrome. <laughs> oh, I've always wanted to see that, and that is a brilliant movie. About, and again, it's more or less it sort of it, it's it sort of takes the the same sort of core concept. Which is corporate malfeasance causing a you know a potentially a great danger to uh, everyone around, mm-hmm. um, but it takes a, a far different tone. And it's, there's it's it's a fantastic movie. It's filled with great performances. Jack Lemmon is uh, is wonderful in there, and uh, Jane Fonda and Michael Douglas are in it. Um, and it's just it's it's done a very sort of straightforward, almost a kind of kind of docu docudrama type style they they, they really they, they made a really fascinating decision to just like apart from the, like a song that you hear like either at the beginning or the end of the movie there's like no music in in the oh, child wow. cuz 
They just they really want you to just focus on on the situation at hand. Whereas uh, Deepwater Horizon, they basically sort of took the opposite approach. They're just sort of like you know waving a deck of cards at you and saying, "Hey, everybody, look at this!" When you should be looking at corporate malfeasance. That is uh, a danger to us now more than ever. Because basically, we elected corporate malfeasance into the White House. So that's, we, we got at least four years of that to look forward to. How about that, everybody? Great job, America. Uh, yeah, I, I saw Deepwater Horizon in theaters, and it's one of those movies where I enjoyed it for the most part, but every time I think about it now, I don't think of it highly. So it just if, gets less and less in yeah, your mind. It's, it's a glossy movie. I think it's well made. I think Peter Berg did a decent job of directing it, but yeah, I'm I'm with you, West. I mean, it's it's an action movie, and we should not be, you know, glamorizing this this sort of uh, aspect of what happened during the this incident. We should be focusing on other uh, on 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 the uh, on the real problem behind this. So, I've, yeah. I I think I mentioned this uh, when you had seen it, uh, Marcelo, that I was more excited for this back when uh, J.C. Chandor was attached. Oh, yeah, that would have been... Uh, this was, yeah, this was supposed worse. to be his follow-up to A Most Violent Year, and mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to that. Uh, and then when he dropped off, this movie also dropped off my radar. <laughs> <laughs> then then once Peter Berg came on and hired Mark Warburg, then, yeah, uh, it, it became that type of movie. I haven't yeah. seen I haven't seen Lone Survivor I imagine that's the same thing, and I haven't seen uh, Patriots, uh, Patriots Day, their upcoming one, but I assume it's the same thing. So More than likely, yes. It's their trilogy of, of glamorizing these incidents that, you know, uh, smarter lenses would handle them much different. America. America. Yay. So, this, is a good, this is a good transition, Matt. I'm glad you, progr- you programmed this this way on the I list. Oh, I did this on purpose. <laughs> uh, we're going from that... To more corporate malfeasance, uh, Trump, Trump, it's Trump's America here uh, in the movie Collateral Beauty. Ugh. Uh, oh <laughs> my dear lord! Uh, this is that this is that movie that uh, uh, my good friend uh, Ryan McLean uh, he had tweeted that he had just gotten out of it and he was shaking. Um, Did he? So I rage or with. With emotion. In shock. Did he have a uh, nosebleed? Is what I think his nose his nose was bleeding. So I sent him a Twitter DM. I'm like, you need to spoil this for me now. So he sent me like a, like an eight message like marathon of like the entire plot of this movie. And uh, hey, Marcelo. Uh huh. Fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if if you want to uh, hear a really good, effective uh, spoilering of it, uh, if you listen to the uh, the comedy film nerds podcast. They uh yeah they, they were as outraged by that movie as everybody else who has ever seen it, uh, apart from the people who actually worked on it and the studio that distributed it. Uh, so yeah, they basically just took ten minutes of the the most recent comedy film nerds episode. Well, no, not the most recent one because the most recent one is a spoiler episode about Rogue One, but the one uh, that was just released earlier this week, I think on Tuesday. Um, oh, oh, what's his name? The guy is a guy. Well, anyway, they yeah they they did an episode where they talked about it. They, they spent ten minutes basically just going over the whole story and how <laughs> absurd and grotesque and sickening it is. And the thing is that you know if you see the trailer for that movie, uh, boy oh boy does it not 
look like what apparently the movie turns out to be. <laughs> I saw the trailer, and and it seemed like just this sort of really sort of treacly movie about you know a, a guy who's in uh, you know dire emotional straits, and somehow uh, some some uh, magical uh, circumstances uh, befall him. And it's like okay, well yeah, this will probably pack in some people, and they'll they'll be you know weeping in the theaters and all that kind of stuff. But no, actually, it turns out that they were totally faking you out, trying to get you into the theater to spring this incredibly just monstrous, awful uh, storyline perpetrated by you know grotesquely despicable characters. Marcelo, tell me all about it, please. <laughs> so anybody, uh, I mean you, I mean West, uh, Matt. I mean you're okay with me talking spoilers about Clairol Beauty, oh, please, right? Please, <laughs> please do it. Yeah, like I said, please listen to a whole podcast earlier okay, this okay. week. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, let them, yeah, lay it on them, everybody. I, I just want to make sure you guys are okay. And listeners, uh, fast forward about... No, know. no, 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 no. No, there's no spoiler warning for this. Listen, I... Be spoiled. I, I I paid for this movie. I paid five bucks. Cheap uh, cheap so Tuesdays. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I, moments like this, uh, I think, are needed with a person who sees as many movies as I do, which is not that many. I mean, I just hit 367, I think, yesterday, which is is fine. I mean, other people, uh, I think who we know, Matt, I mean, they've hit like 500 movies for a year, which is insane to me. Um, not by 50 myself, but it's a slow year. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it, uh, numbers or, or whatever, but I, I think I see a good amount. So I need to see the garbage. Okay, I, I as much as much as it pains me, you know, wallet wise, I still want to put money down and see where the bottom is. I think that's important. You know, got to equal out the good with yeah. the incredibly bad. I think so. So, I mean, I've seen <laughs> I've seen shit like Shut In, which I talked about on this show. You know, oh yes, starring Naomi Watts. I've seen, for God's sakes, uh, what's that one? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I know you like, Matt, but I think it's. One of the Which worst. We, I think we talked about on a, an episode we had with West. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> out of the show. No, oh yeah, that's the one where I think we had West on, but then like we said goodbye to West, and then we had Matt and I. Uh, we had a uh, a special, oh, yeah. a special like after after the show discussion <laughs> on Out of the Shadows. Uh, times. Anyway, but yeah, I, I see crap, and I'm like, okay, I've I've heard enough about Claro Beauty being like insane, where I have to see this in a theater. So I went to Cheap Tuesdays. <laughs> The theater was like half full, which surprised me. Uh, the, the the trailer did the trailer did its job. Uh, the, like this row of like middle aged women were behind me, and they were into the movie. They were they were really into what was going on. Uh, but <laughs> oh my god! So let me go to let me go to the premise, and then I'll tell you what these women did. Um, so yes, Will Smith is. This is part of this organization. He fun, he, he founded this uh, this company, uh, marketing. I think they do. It's not really important. Uh, so then his son dies. Uh, no, sorry, daughter dies. His daughter dies. Cut two, three years later. He's miserable. He spends his time building like domino uh, like things. What do you call Just knock down dominoes and makes a little thing. I don't know what you, I don't know what you call it. Anyway. He he sits alone in his apartment uh, in the dark, staring at the wall. He does nothing with his life. He's miserable. <laughs> okay. Completely depressed. So the people on his board at the company, uh, Edward Norton, Michael Pena, and Kate Winslet, 
they're like, we need to shake him out of this, you know, because we have to sell the company, we have to make money, you know, uh, we can't have Will Smith, the the founder, just be miserable. Like we're we're we're, we're losing money. <laughs> they're terrible people. Okay, they're not good people because they're they're mainly thinking about themselves at first, and then the well-being of Will Smith second. They they set up this the scenario where these these uh, performers played by Kira Knightley, uh, Helen Mirren, and another young man who I don't know his name. He uh, uh, oh Jacob La- uh, Jacob Lattimore. Okay, these actors. Sure. They Edward Norton and his gang hires uh, these actors uh, to play uh, Love, Death, and Time. To basically just fuck with Will, fuck with Will Smith's brain, okay? Because he is downtrodden. He doesn't know what is real or not. So, what perfect way to, you know, when they first do this, just to break him out of his depression by fucking with his brain? It's insane. So this this thing happens through the movie, and I hear the the women behind me go, "I don't like what I don't like what they're doing to him." <laughs> they, they had serious concerns about what was happening in the movie, which kind of shocked me because I wasn't I wasn't alone on this other people in the theater were just as shocked and appalled about what was happening and then this progresses uh, Aaron Norton has an idea it was like hey you know to get him off the board let's videotape Will Smith talking to these actors and then we'll CGI the actors out of the conversations and make him look even more crazy so they do that so it just it continues on it levels it it raises the levels of how despicable these three, you know, main... They're basically main characters, because Will Smith is kind of a side character. How 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 far they're willing to go to screw Will Smith out of the company. Norton, uh, Pena, and Winslet. Oh, it's... It's 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 Trump's America. I mean, they're putting their dollar first versus the, the well-being and care of their friend. Uh... If if you're ever in this scenario, folks listening, don't do this. Don't hire, talk to like professionals. You know, talk talk to people who know what they're what you know what they're talking about when it comes to depression. In, in or a, maybe just be a better person. <laughs> in a year filled with great movies about dealing with grief, like Manchester uh, by the Sea, uh, One More Time of Feeling. Uh, Jackie, Jackie, you know all those movies deal with grief extraordinarily well. It, it, it's like the the theme of the year, and now I see the bottom of that. I see the bottom of that theme to full fruition is collateral beauty, and people like this thing. Okay, the 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 women Ooh. who <laughs> the, the the women who were like uh, who were really puzzled and worried about what was happening. They were like, oh, you know, we don't like what's going on. They were crying by the end. This is a manipulative movie because it tricked them. It did. There's a, no, there's... I actually had a I actually had a woman at a, at the restaurant the other day. She I was like, oh, what movie did you just see? She's like, Collateral Beauty. I loved it. I'm like, okay, it's <laughs> all it... right. I I what do you, what would you like for food? I don't know. <laughs> I can't add anything to this conversation right now. There there are at least three movies going on in this one movie uh, that are tonally completely different from each other. Thank, thankfully, her friend pulled me aside later and said, I hated that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you, you can come back here anytime. 
there, there's one movie that has you know Edward Norton and his little gang of uh, creepy thugs trying to push Will Smith out of the movie, which is kind of like toned like a sitcom. Then you have what? well, yeah, it. I mean, Edward Norton is a is a jackass in this. His character, he's playing himself. He's, playing himself. <laughs> he's, he's he's essentially trying to steal the show. Uh, uh, I mean, his character and himself, like the actor, from Will Smith, because Will Smith is like he's he's silent, he's to the side for for like three fourths of the movie until Will Smith comes back and and uh, his arc kind of concludes, and that's the moment when people in the theater started to cry because Will Smith, in his section of the movie. Like he's trying something, okay, but the movie isn't. The movie is not made for him to be that serious, you know. I, I hope that makes sense because it's like he's, it's like he's in, he's in a different movie. Ah, uh, if if they were to cut all that horribleness about the actors trying to fuck with him and just deal with like him, <laughs> him dealing with grief, talking with Naomi Harris, who plays like somebody who's like who's like helping him as somebody in the support group. If they were like to flesh that out, like it would someone been... who turns out to be okay, maybe we won't spoil. That. <laughs> oh, that's an, uh, if if you wanted to go that far, we can go that far. But that okay, that aspect of it with Will Smith and Naomi Harris, there's interesting stuff happening. There's some good Will Smith acting, except for when Naomi Harris and Will Smith discuss collateral beauty, and they say collateral beauty like ten times in in that one the fuck scene. Is collateral beauty. I don't know. They never explained it. <laughs> it's a thing they made for this movie. It's a terrible, terrible name. It's a, it's, it's a terrible thing because Naomi Harris just goes, just look at that Cairo beauty. Uh, but what? yeah, and and Will Smith, he, I I can't believe he just accepted. It. He goes, okay, whatever. I would I have just been want like, Will Smith to like to push up his glasses. I'm, I'm imagining him wearing glasses and going, excuse me, what is that word? <laughs> That's what happened if Jeff Goldblum was on the movie because oh please. I, then I'd go see it. I wanted his character to say to, to Naomi Harris, what the fuck are you talking about? What is collateral booty? Nobody ever says that when they should. Uh, but yeah, it's... I I feel sorry for Will Smith. Like he, he genuinely tried to act during scenes, but this movie is terrible. It's not good. It wastes so many great people in it. Uh I mean, I just mentioned all of them. Kate Winslet, Michael Pena, they're all wasted. Michael Pena looks like he's struggling. When, when usually he's like the brightest, like uh, like shining star in a movie, like when he steals yeah. the show, that doesn't happen here. He, I can oh. tell, I can tell he's not liking what he's what he's doing. He and well, if, if you if you watch interviews, apparently he uh, really didn't like working with Edward Norton. No, I, I can. That's perfectly clear. Apparently he was. Apparently Norton was just hell on set. Which oh, what a big shock! Yeah. Edward Norton was a jerk on a film set, but uh, apparently it really rubbed Pena the wrong way, and I don't blame him. Yeah, uh, I, I can tell by Pena's performance that. He just was not feeling this this thing. He, he wanted it to be over as much as I wanted it to be over. Uh, so that's collateral beauty. Uh, oh, and the twist. If you, okay, if you want to hear the twist, yeah. Naomi Watts is talking with Will Smith. Is she's like part of a support group, and then you find out at the very end, hey, it's actually Will Smith is uh, Naomi, Naomi Harris is actually Will Smith's ex-wife. Which and the dead, and they both share the same dead kid. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why uh, it's Cause that's you know that's not something you mention when this guy comes to your support group. <laughs> Hello, ex-husband, Will Smith. 
again, it's another layer of uh, these people around Will Smith, his character. It's that collateral beauty, man. You just gotta just gotta look at it. Everybody in this movie is fucking with Will Smith in one way or another, and it's horrible. <laughs> I hope that never happens to me, where uh, something tragic happens to me. I'm trying to deal with it, and my friends are constantly fucking with me. That's what this is. <laughs> the only good thing to come out of this, and it hasn't happened yet, but uh, it will be the inevitable porn parody, Collateral Booty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I wish. I am predicting it now. <laughs> oh, and second twist, and, and this will cap things off. Uh, the actors are actually... Uh, non-actors, they're actually, I don't know what they are, angels, because they disappear at the end. I guess they were really, they were really love, time, and death. So, that's the final twist, which was the stupidest thing I've oh, seen, fuck. maybe. Fuck they're like movie. distant cousins of Olivia Newton-John's character in Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was Clyro Beauty. Still not the worst movie I've seen uh, all year. Um what? Oh, uh, Matt, I'm glad you did this. Uh, real quick, because this, this does not deserve as much time as Claro Beauty. Yeah. Because I, say. I don't recommend anybody seeing this next one. I, I do recommend, if you have the time and patience, watch Claro Beauty on Netflix. Okay? Just watch, just watch this. About three weeks. Yeah, just watch this train go up in flames. It's, I am going to see it when it comes out on, on home video. I, I I can't not see it. It's like that, that loose tooth that you can't stop messing with. <laughs> exactly. It's, I, I gotta check it out. It's that type of movie. And and, and I, like I mentioned, that cast is amazing and I don't know what happened. I don't know why they all agreed to do this. It's bizarre. But the worst movie I've seen in 2016, I think, by far, is a movie called Intruder which okay. I saw on Netflix. Uh, oh boy, last night, and as soon as my friend put it on, I I didn't know what it was. I go, what is this? Was this made like ten years ago? Yeah. Also, is that Moby? Uh, yeah, it's it's a <laughs> Intruder is a film co-starring Moby. <laughs> uh, it was released by IFC Midnight, and yeah, it's not good. It is it is terrible. Um, it, it's about this woman who is being uh, terrorized? Question mark by an intruder. Uh, That's the name of the movie. Yeah, a guy sneaks in, sneaks into her house, and uh, just that's it. He 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 hides in her closet and Ooh, makes... Moby. No 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 no. Okay, L- oh. Moby. Okay. I guess the the thing about this movie is it starts off with this intruder and you don't know who the intruder is it could be anybody it could be Moby Moby plays uh, a a uh, what is he what is I don't know what he is in the movie he's, he's, a, he's a band conductor I think for the symphony and uh, he's he's like uh, he's the boss of this of the of our female lead and she wants to leave this symphony or, or whatever and he goes what you, you shouldn't do that you're you're talented you're waste you're wasting your time so he's kind of obsessed with this woman. So he might be the intruder, or it might be this guy at a coffee shop, or it might be this guy at a laundromat. You don't know who the intruder is until the very end. So it could be Moby. Could maybe it's not. Moby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this intruder is in her house and just makes sandwiches while she sleeps. And what? Uh, 
nothing of note happens for 90% of the movie. You just see a guy sneaking around a woman's house without her knowing. And that is What? It. No boar's head? <laughs> making the sandwiches. He's so angry. Uh, it's really... It, it, it's confounding. The ending is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Uh, I can't believe this... I can't believe this is a real movie. But it was released this year by a major... Uh, I mean, not not major. It was it's it's an indie distribution unit, IFC Midnight. But they they released some actually great things, and I don't know how I don't know what went through their mind releasing this. I'm currently adding it to my watch list. Ah, uh, it is bizarre, Matt. You might find some enjoyment out of it, but it's, I doubt it. Uh, it's not. It's it's terrible. It's like I said, the worst movie I've seen this year. Intruder on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, they do great jobs. Oh, I'm done. With that, what else do we have, man? Uh, oh, real quick, I uh, revisited one of my favorite dark comedies ever. I watched uh, Paul, ba- uh, Paul Bartel's Eating Raoul. Uh, I think it's a thing that every time West is on, I talk about a Paul Bartel movie. Because remember last time we talked about Death Race 2000. Um, but yeah, this movie, um, I love it. I, it makes me laugh uncontrollably throughout. And uh, if no one's seen it, uh, it's about, you know, this uh, struggling couple. They want to open up a restaurant, but they don't have enough money for a loan. So they open up a fake dominatrix business where they get dirty swingers to come to their apartment and they hit them on the head with a frying pan and take the money. And that's how they that's how they do it. It's it's terrific. I love this thing. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We need more filmmakers like Paul Bartel, who are just very strange. <laughs> Yeah, I I haven't seen this one yet. It's in the Criterion Collection. Yes, that's the version I watched. Yep. Great gag reel too, by the way, on the disc. I watched that this time. Interesting. Yeah, I have to I have to pick this up. I might I, uh, I should see if it's on Filmstruck. Uh, it might be because I keep forgetting I have that service, even though I paid the <laughs> pay, I'm paying for it. Jesus, um, I'm asking uh, Santa Claus for Apple TV. Um, so I can I can stream Filmstruck to my TV finally uh, without having to connect my laptop to it. So, uh, Wes, have you seen this? Yeah, I, I have uh, a copy of Reading Raoul myself, as a matter of fact. Uh, so yeah, I've seen it and uh, I enjoy it. It's just so much fun. It's just it's one of those really fun movies that I can just throw on whenever. What's what's the movie that the, these characters are they have a cameo in? Was that Chopping Mall? Chopping Mall. That's right. They play they they play uh, their last name are the Blands. They're the Blands, and they have a little cameo in, uh, in Roger Corman production Chopping Mall. Uh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. So many years later, and they came back for a five minute bit in Chopping Mall. Lots of fun. <laughs> uh. Okay, it's my turn, right? It is. Rabid. This one will be quick. Tell, we talked about this a few months ago, I believe. Did we? With who, Matt? I think it was uh, Scott Weinberg. We talked oh, about it with him. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. tell, tell, me, tell me about it. First time watch. This is the film I saw before uh, Phantasm. I did a double feature. This one wiped me out in a good way. Uh, David Cronenberg, made, made in 1977. I saw the new Shout Factory release. And I love this movie. I love it. It's so good. It's really good. Uh, what uh, What's Rabbit about again? Marilyn Chambers. Uh, she's the lead. She is in a motorcycle accident. 
and she's taken to this uh, hospital where they primarily do cosmetic surgery, and they try this uh, new uh, sur- new type of surgery on her, experimental. She wakes up, and she's basically patient zero in a oh. in a zombie outbreak. Uh, there's a tentacle that comes out of her armpits. That fun. That uh, that that uh, soaks that. Um, Steals blood from people, and and it sounds like a Cronenberg movie. And it, it it infects them and makes them rabid, and they become zombies. And <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this uh, yeah, it's 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 like Cronenberg remaking like Night of the Living Dead. It, it's like that good. Uh, the 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 disease spreads through uh, Canada, uh, and Marilyn Chambers is running around, kind of. At first, not realizing what she's doing, she she because she just wants blood. She's a vampire at this point, with her like crazy tentacle armpit thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, a tent a pit, as they call it. <laughs> but it's it's so much fun. I I love how Cronenberg uh, uh, portrays the outbreak. Like he like there are like um uh he he chronicles like uh, like weird. Uh, uh, incidents that happened throughout, like Montreal uh, and, and Canada, like uh, these these people that just going rabid all of a sudden and just biting people and just infecting them as well. Uh, there's a scene where uh, this this guy runs through rabid through a mall and this cop, you know, shoots him and he accidentally misses and shoots Santa Claus uh, in the mall. So this is a Christmas movie. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Tis the season. Yeah. So I, I, it's, it's it's a fun time. I I liked Rabbit a lot. I'm glad I finally saw it. And the Shot Factor release, very well made. That transfer. Is I need excellent. to check this out. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they they do the Lord's work. They they're doing great work. Uh, I'm I'm now a huge fan of Rabbit. Uh, I need to see more. Uh, Cronen early Cronenberg. Uh, there's the one that's on Amazon Prime right now. Shivers. I need to see that that one. I want to see that one. Yeah, that Rabbit looks cool. Uh, West, uh, any opinion on Mr. David Cronenberg? Uh, he's a really magnificent filmmaker. I have not seen that film, and indeed I haven't seen a lot of his really early stuff. I haven't seen anything earlier than Scanners, I guess. Um, okay. But I, I would be curious to take a look in, into some of that, that really early stuff of his. Yeah, I I, I highly suggest Rabbit. I think it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, uh, that he he nailed down the uh, body horror pretty early in his career. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, Cronenberg, real quick, uh, I want to go around the table real quick. That's a phrase. Um, <laughs> favorite Cronenberg? Favorite Cronenberg. Uh, Wes, why don't you go first? Your favorite Cronenberg? Oh, gosh. That toughie. would be... I think I'm going to have to go with Dead Ringers. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Oh, that's another one I need to see. Yeah. Uh, oh, you haven't. That's another one that I think. Oh, that, I haven't seen it. You know, no. Shout Factory has just put that out on Blu-ray as well. Somebody did. Yes, they did. Uh, it was uh, yeah, Shout uh, Scream Factory. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and it, that was also part of the Criterion Collection at one point. Uh, in fact, I, I have the Criterion Collection DVD. Oh wow! So, um, and it, it really is just it's it's such an uh, an amazing work. It's it's got some of the body horror stuff but it's also really just I think it in, in some ways it kind of transcends uh, the horror genre with this an amazing performance by Jeremy Irons in a dual role that is just, it's so seamless and so well acted on his part that uh, it really it'll, it'll just, it's just going to blow your mind uh, I'm excited 
Yeah. Um, as for me, I'll say The Fly. That's my favorite Cronenberg. Okay. Uh, one I I revisited the most, and yeah, each time I see it, uh, like any classic, and any classic to me I've seen, uh, I get more and more out of it each viewing. So you pick yeah, up something new, yeah. Get something new. So that that's it for me. What about you, Matt? Nice. Uh, it's either The Fly or Videodrome. Yeah, Videodrome is amazing. I need to see. Yeah, long, long live the new flesh, my friend. Uh, oh boy, um, James Woods is a character. <laughs> and a real piece of shit. Real piece of shit. <laughs> In real life. In real life. Um, but yeah, Cronenberg. Uh, I have to see more of his new stuff too. I. I what I'm is a that? Fan. What is that one with uh, Viggo Mortensen where he plays? Uh, History of Violence or Eastern Promises? No, no. The, the, there's another one with Kira Knightley. What was that one? I, I, I've heard, I heard people oh, praising it earlier. Where he, where he plays Freud? Yeah, it... yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one either. I, I hear that one. I know what good. you're talking about. It's like the one recent film of his that, that I haven't seen. Yeah, it's... Uh, Dangerous Method. Dangerous Method, yeah. 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 So yeah, I need to see more new Cronenberg. Um, He's another director who's uh, pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> Speaking of pretty good... I think it's time for the last movie. Uh, rather than no, Nightmare. actually, real, actually, no, real quick. I want to hear what Wes thought of uh, Rachel Weisz in uh, Denial. Oh, that's right, Denial. Yeah, that's a film that I just saw recently, and gosh, I, I, I was really looking forward to this movie because just, just on the the surface of it, it, it just sounded like something that I was really going to love is based on a true story about a, uh, a woman who was uh, sued in the UK by a Holocaust denier. It's like, what, really? That's that's something that you can do? Well, I guess it's something you can do in the UK. But, uh, and, and it was just, Jesus. I, I just thought, wow, this, this is a, uh, this is a must. I, I can't wait to see this movie. And of course it has a really great cast because Rachel Weisz, as you said, is in it. Um, and uh, Tom Wilkinson, who is a great I love actor. him. I love him. Spall, who I've loved every time I see him in uh, Mike Lee movies. He's just, you know, you see, if you haven't seen uh, enough Mike Lee movies, you know, go and see them all because they're all winners. Um, you know, it was uh, directed by uh, Mick Jackson, who he's he's had his ups and downs. I mean, he's definitely, you know, he's, he's done some good movies. He directed uh, L.A. Story, which uh, I love. Uh, he directed The Bodyguard, which is not a great movie, but it's definitely a crowd pleaser. Yes, it uh, is. And he did that uh, that made for cable uh, Temple Grandin movie with Claire Danes. That, I actually uh, like that one. Yeah, it's very that was good. good. And and it's uh, it's written by a, a noted uh, British playwright named David Hare, who's uh, himself has had a long and distinguished career. And uh, speaking of Cronenberg, uh, the music is done by his uh, longtime collaborator Howard Shore. So this oh, movie has nice. everything going for it, um, and it just kind of lay there. Oh. I was totally let down. By by denial, I was just surprised that something that that had such such urgent and potent subject matter, it just really didn't do anything with it. Just, how I, is how is uh, Vice in this though? She's fine, you know. I mean, yeah. But but her character just seems very much uh, neutered and sidelined through through most of the movie. She tries to to bring a certain level of of uh, of passion and fire and anger, but. It, some of the movie just keeps like turning away from her somehow, <laughs> and I just it's I just a shame. Um, you know, uh, Tom Wilkinson as is uh, one of the lawyers. Uh, you know, he's he's great, but I think he is sort of underused. Um, oh, and also uh, Andrew Scott, 
who, if you've been watching um, the, uh, the the Sherlock Holmes uh, series from the BBC, he's the guy who played Moriarty. Oh, um, okay, okay. So, and, and I've he's, seen clips. Yeah. yeah, he's a great Moriarty, but in, in this movie, uh, he is also a similarly neutered. He's not really given a whole lot to do. Yeah. Um, Timothy Spall is really kind of the standout just because he's the bad guy, yeah. and it's to say just really <laughs> amazingly awful and despicable things and 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 also here again is another instance of just sort of like uh the uh the 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 rise of uh, of fucking trump just sort of you know being depicted because <laughs> this this character that, that he plays he's just thoroughly unrepentant uh, you know, I'm not spoiling anything, but because again, it's based on a true story. But I mean, he loses the case, and yet he just continues on, like you know, going on television and doing interviews as though he did not lose. Just of living course. just complete fucking denial. Um, the truth is what you believe. Yeah. So <laughs> he's um, yeah. So Timothy Spall is is like the the best thing in the movie. It really, just because his character is just just so lip smackingly god awful. Uh, he just really he holds the screen uh, uh, very well. But just the rest of the movie, uh, I don't know. I really just found it lacking. I w- I really wanted this movie to just be a, a fucking barn burner. You know, I mean, how do you how do you goof up something like that? A, a story about a, a Holocaust denier suing baffling. who who you know who writes extensively about the Holocaust. Again, it's the 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 one of the the, the weirdnesses of the. Uh, of the the British legal system, uh, well, actually, it's not even uh, a weirdness. It's, I think it's just more honesty because in in yeah. the legal system, uh, you are you are guilty until proven innocent. Whereas in the United States, you are guilty until proven innocent. But we just like to lie to ourselves and say it's the other way. <laughs> but who yeah, exactly? <laughs> oh, the denial. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's know, a shame. I was most an enjoyable experience. Um, real quick, uh, I'm going to pin myself to the wall with this one, but uh, my favorite Mick Jackson film is Volcano. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> oh, I like that movie, too. Yeah, It is so much fun. It's Tommy Lee Jones versus a volcano. Yeah, and uh, Anne Heche. And, yep. uh, and then, uh, oh, man, and it's, it's filmed... John Cheadle's in it, and... Yeah, and it's filmed in real, uh, you know, Los Angeles locations. If you, you know, if you live in Los Angeles, then you know you you can you can see oh 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 the Beverly Center. Yeah, that that needed to go down in in place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they used real lava, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I, I remember remember how John Carroll Lynch goes out. Oh, doesn't he just like melts down into it, right? Because he tries, he he's in a like a subway car and he tries to leap over into another subway car and he does not. <laughs> And so then you basically just get to watch him just you know melting basically like like the wicked witch <laughs> and it's like and he was the only sympathetic character in the movie so it's like oh, I know there's there's the one moment of because yeah, I don't give a fuck about Anne Hayes and and Tommy Lee Jones is basically just making a career out of being unlikable I mean sometimes in in some movies it works like in Lincoln it works gangbusters but in this movie oh, yeah. not- <laughs> oh man I want to watch Volcano now. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. One of my favorite disaster movies. I love it so much. Uh, yeah, that's an enjoyable disaster movie. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> Marcel, you were going to say something? Speaking of good times, Die Hard. I watched, I watched a Christmas movie. It's called Die Hard. Um, let's put it to rest. Uh, let's stop debating whether Die Hard's a Christmas movie or not. Because if you say it's not, you're wrong. Shut up. Let's move on. I can't with these people anymore. (laughs) 
Die Hard Well, is... you know, it's not really a Christmas movie. How about you shut your mouth? We talked about this last week. When we I did. Talked, when I talked about uh, Die Hard 2 and how I said that's not a Christmas movie, Die Hard 2. Because uh, you can take the Christmas out of Die Hard 2 and it's the same movie. But if you take the Christmas yep. out of Die Hard, I don't think it would work. It as, doesn't work as well, no. I don't think it works as well. Um, you lose you lose one of the best catchphrases. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which one is that? Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, that doesn't that does make sense in July, Marcel. <laughs> I've gone on for at least ten hours worth of uh, podcast time discussing how much I love Die Hard, and people who listen to this who want to hear more of that, like I said earlier in the show, which seems like six hours ago. Yeah, I'm going to do more Die Hard for National Film Industry uh, podcast episodes. And West, I'd like to thank you for being on that series. Uh, Thanks for having me. It was yeah, great. Yeah, we came on. I, 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 I wish I could come back, but I know I've shot my wad on Die Hard, so you all have to... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have anything more to contribute to the discussion. The, the, the thing about Die Hard is you, you can do a 10-hour you know series and you know uh, touch the surface on Die Hard. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to go back and, and, and spend more time, more hours, talking to more people about it. Because I, I think we can mine. There's plenty to mine there with Die Hard. It's it's yeah. one of my favorites of all time. An absolute classic in my eyes. It's so good. It, it's so good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love it. Oh, uh, for people listening, hey, if you want Die Hard, I'm, I'm already starting. I'm, I'm starting the campaign now, Matt, officially. Yeah. Go to diehardnfr.com slash vote and vote for Die Hard uh, to be in the national film industry for 2017 so there you go uh, it's it's without a doubt a classic uh, and, and and at this point uh, for those listening uh, it's we're you know a few days past Christmas uh, I mean as of this recording we're a few days before but when this is out it's past Christmas I hope you enjoyed Die Hard because I'm sure a lot of you rewatched it yeah <laughs> uh, I think Matt uh, isn't is it one of your traditions you put on Die Hard and you wrap Christmas presents Yes, except I watched Die Hard tonight. What? And you didn't wrap any presents? No, not tonight. Uh, you just broke a tradition. How dare you? <laughs> I know, but my Christmas Eve tradition was a, was usually to watch Die Hard. But um, I think this week, this year, this weekend, I'm going to start a new tradition where I'm going to watch Carol on New Year's Eve on <laughs> Christmas Eve. That's that's a nice tradition <clears throat> to, to start Cause, things off with. Because Carol is beautiful and it takes place during Christmas, so it counts. Screw you. <laughs> Uh, on TalkFromSociety.com, we released an article written by Nick Isaac where he discusses Tangerine and how that's a Christmas movie. Um, I think I think I should rewatch that. Uh, me having edited that today makes me want to rewatch Tangerine. Have you seen Tangerine, Matt? No, I haven't. You should definitely see that. West, have you? Seen... I know it's still on Netflix, though. Have you seen Tangerine, uh, West? Wait, which movie is that? It, it's the one from last year. Uh, it was the. Uh, it's about the. The prostitutes. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I've on Christmas, I heard about shot it. on a phone. <laughs> I yeah, that's right. That's that's why I heard about it. Yeah, I heard about it, but I have not seen it. Yeah, it it's 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 very good. I I was thoroughly impressed by it last year. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely excels past. Uh, oh, it's indie movie shot on a phone. You know that that sort of buzz line. Uh, it's that's, that's a good buzz line though. It got <laughs> me to buy a uh, Steadicam rig for my phone and some lenses. 
<laughs> and yet you haven't shot in a movie yet, Matt. What's I've I've shot in some some scenes and clips. It's all coming together. Don't worry. Okay, I I expect your director your directorial debut next year, Matt. It shall be done. It shall be done. New. Uh, how about this, West? For the last question of the evening, um, do you have any new like uh, Christmas like uh, uh, like movies you you you've uh, you've orbited to? No, actually, I I. I mean, I love Christmas movies, but I generally just sort of seem to watch the same ones over and over again. Uh, I mean, maybe I should be on the lookout for some... Although, well, I mean, I, I do try to watch new ones. In fact, I did watch a couple of new ones just uh, a little earlier uh, this this month, because I'm, I am on the lookout for them. It's just that I didn't find anything super extraordinary that uh, that, I, that I, I would want to return to in future yeah. Christmases. Because like, I saw two more versions of, uh, of A Christmas Carol. And there was one that was, uh, I guess it was a Lifetime movie of the week called It's Christmas Carol, in which uh, <laughs> one who is just like a, a very uh, angry, bitter uh, book publisher, uh, she is visited. She's not even visited by three ghosts. She's visited by one ghost that just serves the functions of of all three. It's played by Carrie Fisher, uh, and okay. uh, she she teaches this this mean, bitter, angry book publisher the the true meaning of Christmas. So there's that. Um, and then there was uh, Ms. Scrooge. Which was uh, a made-for-TV movie from, like, I believe, the '90s, which starred Cicely Tyson as oh. uh, as Ebenezer Scrooge, and <laughs> it's a it's a period film. You know, it takes place in the, the early 20th century in the United States, and, and it's it's a good movie, but uh, I didn't think it was sufficiently great enough that I would want to make it, you know, a, a habit to watch it every edition. Yeah. So, and then there was even one because you know, um, Henry Winkler. Did a version of the Christmas Carol that in what? the late '70s, and he he had this this incredible makeup job that was done on him by Chris Wallace, I believe, uh, to to make him look uh, you know super old, and yeah, that that was also a period film set in, in America, and that was again it was it was a good movie, but it's nothing that I thought oh I I gotta watch this uh, every year, <laughs> but. Um, there's still some some good movies, uh, Christmas movies that you can watch over and over again. Uh, Christmas in Connecticut is very good. Uh, Elf is one that I definitely return to every year. Um, a Charlie Brown Christmas is really good, and then uh, a Miracle on 34th Street. And my personal favorite version of uh, A Christmas Carol, my my favorite of all time, was one that was done for TV in 1984 with George C. Scott as Scrooge. For oh, my- I saw that on. Uh, they had a DVD at Target the other day. Yeah, for my money, he's the best Scrooge that ever was. It's it's kind of a role he was born to play. Yeah, he's a grump. Oh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, for those listening, put that on your Christmas list for 2017. Um, and for us, uh, I'm going to track that version down because that seems like the version I need to see. I, the, the one I always go back to is Scrooge with Bill Murray. Um, that movie, uh, every time I watch it, never fails to make me shed a single tear by the end. Yeah, it's pretty good. I forget how effective it is. Um, and Matt, I mean, you've you've already said you're going to see Carol. That's apparently yes a new amongst film Twitter. That's a new Christmas standard now. Oh, I don't want to watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> film Twitter. That's where we make our bread and butter, Matt. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you must I don't know what that it. is. <laughs> um, what a great way to I- end. 
this episode. Yeah, that was episode 50, y'all. Episode 50. Wes, thank you for being on this episode. Thanks for having me again. It's it's always great, and uh, you know, anytime that uh, I can I can be on, and you guys uh, want to have me back, just uh, give me a holler. Absolutely. West West, the door is always open. <laughs> always. We have we have an open door policy. Anybody can can jump in here. Not anybody. Just West. <laughs> just West. Okay, just for West. Let's um, not kid ourselves. Matt. It's just it's just West. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I, I forgot to mention this is the final episode. Of Haycast for the year for 2016, because um, uh, the next one we'll record will come out the first week of January. So uh, I just I like to tell you, Matt, Happy New Year! Happy New Year, Marcelo! I'll uh, be uh, I'll be drunkenly FaceTiming you on New Year's <laughs> Eve. Don't worry. <laughs> oh boy, I can't wait for that. I will hope you have it. Re- I hope you're recording when that happens. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll record it and put it on the next podcast. How about I'm going to sing you a song. <laughs> oh, and, and West, I, I don't want to leave without saying Happy New Year to you. Uh, thank you very much. You guys uh, have a Happy New Year, as happy as uh, it can be uh, under the uh, impending circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we to gotta try and make it as good as we can. We gotta have to, we're going to have to stand up and, and, and fight for ourselves and for each other and for all the things that are right and the things that we love about this nation. We're we're not gonna we 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 cannot afford any of us to take any of this uh, that's coming up. We can't afford to take it lying down. Exactly. Well put, West. We gotta we gotta keep going because uh, with oh, I I want to get too into it, but every day seems like a struggle. But because uh, if we don't, because if we don't, madness will ensue. It will. It, it it just seems like that's where it's because we will all lose our freaking minds. Yeah. We have to keep keep our More heads so. together. We have to stand together. Um. And and we'll make it through. Two thousand seventeen will be a, I hopefully a good year. Um, I really hope so. Um, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, I know I have not had the best year this year, but it's ending on a high note. I mean, Matt, you and I we we uh, the, we're, we launched a website. Uh, Speaking of which, I know plugs. It's, it's currently okay. <laughs> I know we have to close the show. Someone has to work fourteen hours. <laughs> One last thing. Okay. Thank you for listening. It's been a great year. Uh, for uh, uh, Thanks for listening to the show. You know, we're, we're going to wrap up soon. But yes, Happy New Year. Thanks for a great, mostly great 2016. So, okay, before we officially close this, uh, uh, plugs West, where can the people listening find you online? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. West Anthony, and uh, you can find my podcast, Musical Notation, on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play, or uh, also go to BattleshipRetention.com because you can find it there, part of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. The uh, the Twitter handle for the show is NotationPod. I have myself just wrapped up uh, the first year of the show, wrapped up uh, 2016 with a, uh, a extra large size episode uh, going into the score for uh, Ben Hur. I'm now taking uh, a holiday break, and this—you're the, you're the first ones who are going to know this. Uh, this is the first place I'm, I'm telling everybody. On this, I have the whole schedule laid out for 2017. When I come back, when the show comes back in 2017, January 10th, that is the one-year anniversary of the death of David Bowie. Oh. I'm devoting an episode to uh, a lot of the, the soundtrack work that he did in the 1980s. Oh, oh yes, please talk labyrinth. <laughs> oh yeah, that's in there. Uh, cat oh people. my god! 
Falcon and the Snowman, and one of my favorite movies, even though it, it, it's kind of a mess and falls apart in the third act, Absolute Beginners. Uh, if if you haven't seen that, David Bowie tap dances. You now have your mandate. Yes, please. <laughs> oh, God, that, that sounds amazing. All right, Matt, can you top that? What are your plugs? <laughs> Well, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at the real Matt C. You can also find me on Letterboxd to make sure, and under the same name, to make sure I'm not lying about what movies I've seen. You can also find me at talkfilmsociety.com, where I'm the uh, managing editor, and I'm putting together a lot of great content for everyone to read. Check it out, y'all. Check it out, folks. As for me, talkfilmsociety.com, talkfilmsociety.com. Um, that's it. Matt, it's been a hell of a show. 50 episodes. Oh my goodness. Wow. And and thanks again, West. Amazing as always. Thank you. Now. Yeah, thank you so much for coming back. No problem. And now, for what seems like the 50th time, but probably not, maybe like 30, 30th time or something. That's uh, fine. <laughs> it's time for our signature catchphrase, Matt. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for listening, folks. And keep on watching. Oh yeah, that one. It's a bit. By 8 a.m., the morning fog had flown. Don't let it be forgot that once there was a spot for one brief shining moment.